My name is James Rowlands. In 2015, I teamed up with my friend Dan White to create the Dubbing Our podcast. Since then, we have been giving you everything that's happened on the WWE Network. Now, in 2018, not only are we live for the big four events and every NXT takeover, but we celebrate 20 years since the birth of the Attitude Era. Plus, every month we bring you 205 Live, collections, new content, W pay-per-views and latest news on the WWE Network. Until we've watched everything, we are with you and we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And today it's the WWE 172, it's WWE SummerSlam 1998. We go back 20 years to this, one of my favourite pay-per-views of all time. And the alternate intro... We're on the highway to hell! just seen the opening promo and I mean what are your thoughts on on this and what you thought you'd build up to SummerSlam before we really get going it's certainly got a big match feel it's um I don't know it seems to all be going in a good direction if you know what I mean it's like you know everything that's taking place tonight is for a reason yes exactly that you know and we see McMahon in the opening promo saying 
Well, we knew the Undertaker came. We're in cahoots and Austin's title reign is coming to an end. And speaking of coming, Val Venus is out here now, just whipping the towel off, surviving Kai and Ty's attack. And now he's got the mic. Hello, ladies. The big Val Bolski's in the house. And I came again. <laughs> you dirty bastard, Val Venus. <laughs> With them ladies frothing at the gash. I know. Well, it is actually there. So I expect a different kind of attitude from us. And here comes Dino Brown. I love the little gates as well in the set of the list. Manson Square Garden. We see him coming out from here. Dino moving his neck. Got the European title. Let's not forget about his chest protector. And what a night this should be. And uh, a great way to open up with Dino Brown versus Val Venus. So you're not doing the alternate intro? Yeah, yeah. Well, we've done the alternate, I've done the alternate intro. But what about the, uh, the proper intro, Dan? <clears throat> in 1998, WWE and WCW were locked in a ratings war. Their shows, Raw and Nitro, went head-to-head on Mondays. The WNR podcast, two years, right in the middle of the battle. We followed the war since the inception of Nitro, but now with the start of the Attitude Era and WCW still at its peak, the WNR podcast follow it month to month. This is WWE versus WCW, the Monday Night Wars, August 1998. And every month for the WR Podcast, we always do a WWE or WCW pay-per-view. And like we say, this month is SummerSlam 1998. Ten years after the first SummerSlam event, the WF returned to Madison Square Garden on the 30th of August for one of the biggest shows of the year. The 1998 edition of SummerSlam saw the WWF in the midst of its most successful period in this company's history. The Federation was on a roll, riding a wave of incredible popularity built around the WWF champion Stone Cold Steve Austin, becoming a financial juggernaut in the process. Well, a reported 22,000 watched the event at Madison Square Garden, while an enormous 700,000 people brought the event on pay-per-view. And like we say, it's the 11th annual SummerSlam uh, in New York City. And we'll just go through the card, because we know at the moment... It's D'Lo and Val Venus for the European title. But we've also got tonight a 4-3 handicap match. Kai and Tai versus the Oddities. We just focus on this one in the early going. And Val Venus and D'Lo feeling each other out. Venus suffered his first defeat to Kai and Tai last week on Raw. And he goes to club D'Lo's chest and it hurt his arm. That chest protects his air because of Dan Severin. Now, Dino's got Val Venus. Irish rips him across the corner. So, uh, common, on commentary is obviously JR and Jerry the King Lawler. Yeah. And uh, up first, uh, European title match. Dino Brown, the champion, going against Val Venus. We've got a four-on-three handicap match. Kai and Tai, which is Dick to go. Men's T.O., Shofunaki and Takamishinoku with Yamaguchi-san going against the Oddities. Giant Silver, Golga and Corrigan with Luna, Shaggy 2 Dope and Violent J in their corner. Well, Val Venus, this one showed a bit of fire. Russian leg sweep, Irish whip and a drop kick to D'Lo who goes to the outside. Fancy to be into him. Elsewhere we've got hair versus hair match. Jeff Jarrett with Southern Justice which is Dennis Knight and Mark Canterbury, former Godwins, versus X-Puck with Howard Finkel. <laughs> we've got a mixed tag team match. Edge and Sable versus Jacqueline and Mark Merrow. Lions Den match. Ken Shout versus Owen Hart, who's with Dan the Beast. Uh, Dan the Beast slash mu- Dan the Beastie Mustache Severin. We've got a WWF World Tag Team title. No holds barred. Falls count anywhere. Two on one handicap match. Mankind, 
going against the New Age Outlaws, Billy Gunn and the Road Dog. Intercontinental titles on the line in a ladder match, which is one of my favourite matches of all time. The Rock with Mark Henry versus Triple H with China. And we've, of course, got the WWF Heavyweight Championship match. Stone Cold Steve Austin defending against The Undertaker. Well, both men run the ropes here. Venus now going to go for a roll-up. D'Lo pushing away, saying he's got the brains to do this. And Venus got about the spine buster. And foul Venus for those guys. I know he's a porn star, but I think his look and what he could do in the ring, I thought he was, he was all right. What are your thoughts on Val Venus, Dan? As a, as a wrestler, I know his gimmick's a bit silly as we see Edge in the crowd. Well, is it really silly for something during the Attitude Era? I mean, it fits perfectly in with this. I don't think it could kind of work a bit later on in the PG... Well, certainly wouldn't work in the PG era. Probably wouldn't work in the Ruthless Aggression era either. But in this time and place, it's perfect. But again, you know, like I've described Dino as, like I've described X-Pac as... He's a solid mid-card worker. Yeah, I don't know if there could have been more. I mean, we, we'll see more in the attitude here where they try and make him more serious. But Val Venus at this time, the crowd are into him. And it's a kind of perfect character, like I said, we, even with Godfather and the Hose. You know, don't let him near him. We saw him with his pink love gun on Raw. We know what he can do. Uh, and as this match continues throughout the, throughout the show, we'll be giving you interesting facts about SummerSlam 1998 and surrounding it up. And one of the first ones, Dan, have you got a fact for me? Uh, I've gone past the first one. All right. Well, i tell you what, the Sunday Night Heat pre-show was the lowest rated edition yet. On August 2nd, 1998, four weeks before SummerSlam, W premiered Sunday Night Heat on the USA Network. A full year before SmackDown became the secondary show. Heat was a one-hour accompaniment that showcased prominent stars and mid-card views and even featured the awesome debut of Gangrel. On the night of SummerSlam, Heat arrived live for the first time ever, functions as a SummerSlam pre-show, putting aside filler matches like Gangrel vs. Dustin Reynolds and Too Much vs. LAD 2000. Heat did its best to sell home viewers on the pay-per-view. The most memorable part was Austin smashing a parked hearse with a sledgehammer. Incredibly, it did a lower rate than the four episodes preceding it. The 3.23 rate was still impressive, but live airing for a major pay-per-view, major pay-per-view, losing out to four in the can shows preceding it is still surprising. Well, now D'Lo is in control of this match. Irish ripping the Venus. Venus drops the clothesline. Well, D'Lo Brown has taken over on Val Venus in this match. But Venus now trying to make a comeback. I said all the women in the crowd want him to get back into this. D'Lo clotheslines Venus down. Now D'Lo in a second. Diving elbow goes for the cover. Venus, though, gets shot up at two. Two... D'Lo now maybe getting a little bit frustrated. Well, D'Lo Brown's 27 years old. Val Venus 26. So both men could be a prominent futures in this business on the biggest show of the summer. And D'Lo takes down Venus. Texas Cloverleaf. Well, Venus struggling to get the ropes. Couldn't get there. And somehow D'Lo just let him out. Why? <coughs> maybe D'Lo feeling a bit overconfident in this one. Picks up Val, slams him down. Now D'Lo on the second rope. Coming off at Centon, but Venus rolled out of the way. D'Lo tries right hand, blocked by Venus. He responds back now. Four or five shots. Irish ripped to D'Lo, knee to the midsection. And again, Venus is trying to quicken the pace here. Back elbow drops D'Lo, elbow drop. And now he's getting into the crowd behind him. Well, it is the money shot against the frog splash. And now Val Venus... 
Back in Dilo, up in the corner, Irish whip. Back body dropped by Venus. And now Val could be going up for the money shot. Well, Dilo Brown's recovering too quickly, so Val Venus is going to have to change it up. Oh. Gets caught in a set-up powerbomb from Dilo. That's a <laughs> spine-rattling powerbomb there. Yeah, Venus twitching away. He's just air-humping. And that is serious damage there by Dilo Brown. Well, Dilo goes for the cover, but Venus managing to kick out. Now, uh. Dilo right hand, Irish rip reverse by Val. Looking for the back elbow. Dilo ducks it, looks for the kick. Val catches it. Close on attempt, ducked by Dilo and plants Val with a DDT. Rolls across for the cover. Oh! oh. Only managing to get a two count. Two. Well, the way he was spiked down there. Looked to be the end, and now Dilo. And he's looking for his frog splash. He's still sort of wearing nation colours as well, isn't he? I think he's the only one. <laughs> the old style, just with the new chest protector. And now Venus going up, catching Delo. Looking for a fisherman suplex off the second rope. Oh, but Delo sends Venus down. Now off the second. Flying oh. cross body gets caught by Val. Goes for the cover. Two. Oh. oh. D-Lo managing to kick out. Oh. And as far as T-shirts are concerned, there's a spattering of Austin and a spattering of DX, but not really a lot else, is there? No, they're mainly, like you say, with those two. wonder how much merchandise they're making at this moment in time. But maybe someone like Val Venus. I don't really remember Val Venus T-shirt, if you know what I mean. It's just more about the character. Or D-Lo Brown T-shirt. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Nation, there wasn't really a lot of that. But then again, probably Hills, so... But Venus hangs Dilo up in that top rope. Going up again, even though last time he got caught, he has not been successful off the top rope as Valvinus tonight. Jumps off this time, probably the best way. Now he's got Dilo underhooked. Nice suplex there. There is actually a good Valvinus t-shirt available for sale. It's him on the front in the towel, like looking to gyrate. It's got Valvinus and on the back it says... Hello, ladies. Long hair or short hair? Long hair. Uh, long hair. Oh, that's quite cool. Venus now going for the money shot. Oh, but Dilo had his knees up. Knees up, Mother Brown. And Venus got all the air taken out of him there by Dilo. We thought we have a new European champion. You've also got his T-shirt saying, I am cocked. And on the back, it's got locked. And ready to unlock. It looks like Cumlo, doesn't it, the writing? Yeah. <laughs> and now D-Lo's got the power bomb on Venus. Well, you've got the big Valboski, Val Venus, and on the back, hello, ladies. D-Lo's got the power bomb, and he's going to drop... Ve he drops Val Venus basically on the back of his neck. Much like he did draws. Very dangerous, but Venus survived that. Now D-Lo's going to try again. Well, credit to Venus for letting him do it. But this time he hits it. Brilliant move there by D-Lo Brown. And now Venus in all sorts of trouble. D-Lo Brown's going to go up and finish this off with the Fog Splash. Hashtag oh. SMH. D-Lo Brown teacher. going to shake my head. Well, oh my God. Val Venus moved out of the way of that Fog Splash at the last second there. That would have been over and done with. And the chest protector goes right into D-Lo's chest as he eats the canvas. And now Venus and D-Lo trading shots. Val Venus... Probably got momentum on his side. That's a cool one. Irish ripped to D-Lo. Clotheslines him down. 
And now Valvina's taken off Dilo's chest protector. And now he's got no protection. <clears throat> he must feel naked out there. Venus reverses the Jewish whip. Power slam. And with no protection, he's going to be in serious trouble. Well, Val's putting a chest protector on. Well, Jimmy Caldera saying, come on, you can't do it. Referee's got a hold of him. Venus saying, leave it be. And Delo's in serious trouble. <laughs> oh, no. And the referee inadvertently crutched Val on the top rope, and that's just hitting him where he makes his money. Well, huge booze. And like I said, yeah, a man getting hit is bad, but Val Venus getting hit like that might end his career. Well, referee should never put a hand on an active competitor. Clothesline by Val Venus, and referee's still getting in Val's face. And he pushes Jimmy Calderas down. And Dilo and Val fight. Oh, and he gets it back. And the referee calls for the bell. Well, that is it. Disqualification. Well, to be fair, though, you can't put your hands on the referee much like referee can't put your hands on a wrestler. And unfortunately, the European title comes out of Val Venus's grasp. Dilo retains there. Dilo with the European Championship. What do you think of the match, Dan? I thought it was quite a solid match, you know. It was uh, it's quite a protective ending. Um, yeah, you know, it was a solidly worked match. Not really many fuck-ups apart from Val getting dropped on the back of his neck. And he's going to take out his frustrations on the referee. He's going to go up and deliver a money shot. Well, he hit the referee with his money shot. He did. Referee got hit right in the middle with that money shot. And now Val over the top of gyrating. And like you said, Venus does lose, but doesn't get pinned in this one. Keeps the momentum. The fans like him. Goldberg sucks t-shirts in the crowd. But, yeah, I mean, D-Lo came away with that looking okay as well. Still European champion. Well, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert now, James. D-Lo Brown was the only heel to win. <gasps> this entry flies in the face of modern WWE convention, which is to have pay-per-views that feature... Almost entirely heels winning because the angles apparently need to run for four or five months apiece. Things were different in the Attitude Era, where the crowd favourites got wins aplenty. Yes, there are enough screw finishes and instances of nonsensical booking to drive Jim Cornette into a shining-like homicidal rage. But there was more evident sense of flood-soaked, over-sexualised, mid-course fun. And that was pretty much apparent at SummerSlam 98. The heels ran a clean sweep on Sunday Night Heat, but Babyfaces dominated the pay-per-view card. With the exception of this match, Dilo Brown retained his European Championship in a disqualification victory over Val Venus, which annoyed the crowd somewhat. Never fear, New York. The rest of the night is booked with your best intentions in mind. Wow, so quite a funny scene backstage there. They do cut... Oh, we'll do that next cut. I can't believe they just done That's one of the funnest parts of the whole fucking thing. Well, the Insane Clown Posse's performance. Yeah, Insane Clown Posse coming out for our next match was one of the best things that we had. Yeah, greatest show. And they've cut it out from the... Oh, sorry, sure. But, so what are the facts about that then? Why is it not there? The Insane Clown Posse's performance is edited off the WWE Network. Why? I hear you ask. Why? Well, through the... Involvement in professional wrestling is best defined by their irrelevant JCW promotion. Shaggy 2 Dope and Violent J had cups of coffee at different times with WWE, WCW, ECW and TNA. 
the face-painted rapper's big claim to fame under the WWE umbrella, was recording a theme song for the Human Oddities stable, which they played live at the Garden on SummerSlam night. There's no evidence of this to be found on the WWE Network, however, the performance was edited off. Despite having been included in previous releases of the event, it's not clear what the issue is that prevents WWE from airing the Posse's duet when you can find the likes of Motorhead and Limp Biscuit on past WWE airings. Uh, perhaps it has something to do with the insane clown Posse's exit in 98 stemming from WWE never coming through an airing Posse-related commercial after weeks of promising the duo. Wow, so the, the SummerSlam 98 VHS I got, it's, it's on there, so I don't understand why we're building a network. And it really gets you in the mood as well, I feel. But before that, we saw Mankind backstage because we saw Hearst getting destroyed on Sunday Night Heat. Austin thought he was either Kane or The Undertaker's. It was Mankind's. He bought a new hearse. And Austin has now smashed that up. He's saying, what is going on? And I feel really sorry for Mankind at this moment in time. Mark Cole trying to get a word. Mankind is devastated. <coughs> but we do move on to this match. Yodities versus Kyantai. And who are you favouring in this match? Uh, I'm going to favour the much larger, much crazier... Kind time. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. No, with I'm going to go with the oddities. I like, I like Takamichi Noku, Men's To for Naki, and of course, I love a Dick Togo. And Gunga's in there. Golga's in there now. Of course, former John Tenter. Earthquake. You got Kurrigan, and then of course the big giant as well. Uh oh, Yamaguchi son's in trouble. Golga's just took his shoe. And you're saying clown posse there with. Luna. Luna's got Cartman under her arm. Now Golga's got Yamaguchi's son's shoe. What the hell is he doing? Well, the smell is bad. Oh, no. What are they pouring into it? Oh, look like some sort of liquid. Mysterious liquid. It's a mysterious liquid again. And it gets thrown into Yamaguchi's son's face. <coughs> no, that's not good, Mr. Yamaguchi. You've been embarrassed with your wife. And now with your suit and Kurgan's in... He's been a bit more fun. We've seen him in the Truth Commission. And now he's uh, looking to lay it down a little bit. Here's how you completely ruin a character. Now he's getting on his knees to fight Funaki. He's about the same height, to be fair. Oh, and he's being extremely racist by uh, putting his hands together and bowing. It's the attitude here. It's fine. And Funaki's saying, all right, let's go. Gets powered off. And Funaki might realise that is a mistake. Funaki trying to Irish up Kurgan. He reverses it with ease. Goes to the clothesline. Funaki using his speed. But gets caught. And slammed down. And now here comes to go and m- m- tack her in. The goal to Kurgan. Here comes Funaki. Oh, and uh, Kurgan just fights them all off. Men's Tio goes for a high back body drop. The insane clown pussies are liking what they see. Well, Kurgan there dancing away in the ring. Yamaguchi's son back on the apron. I don't know why he wants to incur the wrath of the oddities. And now, <laughs> trying to pull Yamaguchi's son in. Kurgan's got the other side. He lets go and they all go flying. Dancing on the outside. The Yamaguchi son crawls back to his corner and... Uh, into the safety of the Kyantai area. And I think he lo- lost his belt there. Kerrigan's dancing away in the middle of the ring. Well, they want to tag in the giant silver. And I mean, Kerrigan's seven foot. 
Looks like Giant Silver must be about 9 foot. He's got to be at least 10 foot, 11 foot. And all the Kaintai scatter. It's like Godzilla coming into Yokohama. And the outside, now they've got a game plan. Let's have a huddle. See if this helps, boys. Rock, paper, scissors. What are they going to do to take down Giant Silver? And now Takamichi Noku going into the sumo wrestling stance. But tags in Dick. Now here comes Dick in. Dick to go against the oddities. Giant Silver's in there now. Like we said, choke slam. He choke slams Dick Togo into the corner. Now it's going to be Tackers go. Come on, two against one. They'll do this. They both try and lift the Giant Silver up. And uh, Menz and Funaki jump on the back of Dick and uh, and the Giant Silver just throws them all off. He's nearly as handsome as Carl O'Reilly. Well, honestly, it might be his father. Chest gets caved in by so Giant he looks Silver. looks more like I think maybe he's both their parents. And now he's got the entire Kaintai in the corner. Punches one of them and all four of them feel it. Uh-oh, here comes Silver. Oh! And he's backing them all into a corner. There goes Ben's Tio. There goes Funaki. Oh! There goes Dick. Oh, my God. Taka. Well, no. Taka's the only man left. Gorilla press slam. Out of the ring. Oh, oh. onto the rest of Kaintai. And the oddities are... Uh, Doing quite well. Well, they're definitely enjoying this one. Might want to take a time out. So you've signed up to become a wrestler and they say, James, you're a perfect fit for the oddities. Would you be insulted by that? Uh, I I wouldn't because I I would, uh, whatever position I got on the card, I would work hard to see it came through. So um, what came of Kerrigan after the oddities? Do you know Kirk's very famous right now? He, he, well, I say very famous. He He's the only one that had real success. He's been involved in loads of stuff. 300, Sherlock Holmes, lots of other films where he's played like the kind of big nasty. I read, read an article about him the other day with Kurgan. A lot, a lot of success as kind of like the big man in movies. He's obviously retired from wrestling. Unfortunately, John Tenter and Giant Silver are no longer with us, which, you know, is a bit of a shame. But I think I and Ty are giving her all in this match and bumping around for a for a team, they like to say, I haven't got a lot of upside here in WWE at the moment. Why, because they're short. And now all four of them jumping around. No, the oddities. They haven't got a lot of them. Oh, Altai taking turns to splash. Um, what's his name? Golga. Golga. Yeah, look, I think Kainta are underrated. I think oddities haven't got a long run in them. They're just doing this at the moment, you know. They're not going to become a fucking four horseman type group. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, we always remember the oddities, how many titles they won. Funaki takes him down, drop toe hold. Dick goes elbow, Taka elbow, Men's Tio elbow. Guess what? Funaki elbow. They've taken him down. This is great teamwork here. And now three of them holding him. Taka comes in with a drop kick to the face. Look how dirty the boots are with the oddities. Here we go. Four man <laughs> Irish whip. Oh, and uh, Golga Coast lines on four members of Kayantai, but they recover quicker. Kaintai and Men's looking to drop the elbows. Dick and Funaki looking for splashes, but all four of them miss. Oh, Golga looking for the tag rolls impressively to Kurgan. 
Now here comes the big man. Taka goes flying with a shot. Funaki down. Men's down. Dick to go down. And now Taka Irish whipped. Big boot to the face. Catches Funaki. Irish whips him. Sidewalk slam. Uh, Kurgan probably the one that adds the most potential. Now he's got Funaki around the throat. And the rest of Kaintai stopping him. Here comes Giant Silver now. He's got Taka and Dick. Sends them face first into the turnbuckle. Kurgan's got Funaki and Men's. And here comes Luna in stopping Yamaguchi-san. Slams him down. Are we going to get a four-way choke slam? God. All four <laughs> members of Kaintai choke slammed by two guys. <clears throat> oh, Golga just lays them all. Goes for the cover and gets the pin there. Impressive by the other tees and they get <laughs> the insane claim posse gets cut out and we move on. Dan, what are your thoughts on the match? It was um it was quite an entertaining filler match. I don't you know, you can't really base it on its technicality. I think it was um it was an interesting setup the way it went and you know, you, I don't know, you, you can't even really fault it too much, to be honest. No, I, I've always enjoyed it, and looking back at it, even watching it now, it's still good enough because kind of the way they bump around the ring and they, they do the stuff like that makes it enjoyable, you know, and it made uh, the oddities look good. But we do move on, and up next is X Pac versus Double J, hair versus hair match, and of course earlier tonight on Heat, Jeff Jarrett and Southern Justice attacked Howard Finkel and shaved his head. I mean, he must be unrecognisable now. To shave the hair of the Fink, I can't imagine what that would look like. And here comes Double J, Jeff Jarrett. That is... God, I'll let you do it, Dan. I know you love doing it. Well, here comes Double J, Jeff Jarrett, and that is J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T. Ain't he a twat? And he's here with Southern Justice, like to say, Mark Canterbury. X-Puck. And X-Puck is over as hell here at Madison Square Garden. Dennis Knight. Dennis Knight. Oh, my God. And the thing coming out here with X-Puck. He's got the DX t-shirt on as well. Oh, you didn't know. Oh, my God. I hope he doesn't do an embarrassing promo. X-Puck coming out here. What's some revenge? Well, he doesn't want his hair cut off by X-Puck, uh, by Jeff Jarrett. He's going to be all business here. But this should be a good matchup. Here we go. Look. <laughs> X for did it. Oh, well done, the thing. You know, I bet you've never done a crotch chop in your life, but fair play to you. Oh, they cut Joss's hair, done it to Howard. And Jeff Jarrett doesn't want to lose his uh, golden locks. But again, I don't... Oh, we go. X-Pac on the bike. Yes, thing. <laughs> yeah. Suck it! That's what the thing says to Jeff Jarrett. And Jeff now going to attack early. When the thing says suck it, you suck it. And expert Jeff Jarrett been around WWF and Jeff Jarrett again finds himself in a quite good position on the card. I mean, most of the papers we've watched over the past couple of years in WWE or WSW has featured Jeff Jarrett again on the card in quite a high-profile ma- profile match. Expert with a spinning heel kick. And a clothesline to Jeff Jarrett over the top. <coughs> and X-Pac's all fired up for this one. Oh, well, he was until he fumbled that springboard over the top. But he recovered. He recovered well to take Jeff down. So Fink cheers him on. Any problems with Southern Justice to sort him out? Of course. Southern Justice won't do anything with a Fink there. I don't think they will. (laughs) 
<laughs> Shoulder to the midsection for Jeff. Tries sunset flipping in. It's a fast start. Oh, slides between X-Pac's legs, hits him with a drop kick, and then sends him over the top rope with a second drop kick. Oh, that was nice by the Hall of Famer, Jeff Jarrett. He's got the outside. Oh! Is that the Hall of Famer that created a rival promotion to WWE to try and compete with them? Because yes. he was fired. Yes, it was. <sighs> but X-Pac there is in serious trouble. Jeff dodged the clothesline, picked him up, kind of atomic dropped him, Falls first into the ring post. X-Pac drops down. That was impressive by Jeff. When Jeff sent an X-Pac back in the ring into that top turnbuckle. So both of these guys have got long hair. So if either of them to lose it, then it'd be quite a, a difference in appearance. Yeah, them. I think, yeah, if both men were shaved bald, then it would look pretty odd, either Jeff Jarrett or X-Pac. I think X-Pac's got more to lose. Longer hair. And would the beard be a part of the bargain? Would you say the beard would be there or would you allow beard to stay? Well, I don't know. You'd have to shave the beard as well, wouldn't you? Just as uh, a bit of fun. Maybe you could do a two out of three falls match. You know, you do hair and <laughs> one beard, one fall. Hair, beard and pubes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you would say pubes, wouldn't you? Yeah. You just want me bald as a coot, wouldn't you? How was we referring to? How has this been turned no, no, around? I'm just saying, if it was a hair versus oh, a hair okay. <laughs> if I've got to shave my balls, I will. <laughs> I'm just saying, if that's what you want to do for the end of the year predictions, then all right, we're up for it, you know. I don't even have any. Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> what predictions? <laughs> Jeff Jarrett with a clothesline, but X-Pac catches him. That is a beautiful tornado DDT. And X-Pac gets some separation after Jeff Jarrett. Has been in control the past couple of minutes. X-Pac turns into the cover, but Jeff Jack kicks out. Uh. Now Jeff getting rocked in the corner, first with the right hands. Now with a kicks and a step-up knee to the face by X-Pac. Jeff Jack reverses Irish whip line, misses the clothesline, but goes in for that dreaded sleeper. Well, if he puts him to sleep, it makes it easier to shave his head. We are going to see someone shaved after this. As Jeff... Taken out X-Pac. Sleep hole by Jeff Jarrett on X-Pac. He's got him down. The arm goes down for one. For two. Oh, and X-Pac low still in this. Managing to fight back. Comes back in and Jeff now hits a few strikes. Oh, Jeff cuts him off. Puts him up on that top turnbuckle. Maybe he's going to try a suplex or something like that. But, oh, X-Pac throws Jeff Jarrett off. Finally, he's got a bit of advantage. I think that back of the neck's hurting X-Pac a little bit. But he's going to risk it all now. Oh, looking for that twisting cork, uh, twisting crossbody, but <coughs> Jarrett had it scouted, moved out the way, and now both men are looking a bit worse for wear. Well, the thing about X Pac is that he gives everything in a match. You know he's going to risk his body. Is Jeff going for the cover? X Pac managing to kick out, uh-huh. so he's going to risk it. We know that he injuries with his neck and other parts of the body. That's what Jeff Jarrett. He's going to look at this one. Even Come though, on, listen to Fink. Cheer. Sorry. You know, I say, even though he's got the Fink at ringside, you know what I mean? That is what's going to help him. That is a deciding factor in this match. That is the X factor, or the Fink factor. Exactly, the Fink factor. That sounds like a brilliant program. Jeff Jack, Irish whip, X-Puck dodged out of the way. Tried the spinning heel kick, but the Jeff saw it coming. The Jeff. Not as good as the Fink. Now, Double J's been in control, and he's not needed Southern Justice in this one. Rolls him back into the middle of the ring. Going to go for the figure four leg lock. 
Here we go. Gets it in. Middle of the ring. X-Pac in all sorts of trouble now. Mike Chioda checking on him. X-Pac screaming in pain, but we know how tough he is. He <clears throat> talk about the size of his heart. He will not tap out. He might pass out as he struggles to pull Jeff Jack's body weight. Talk about the cruiserweight size. You know, we talked about Jericho or something like that in the WCW podcast. Oh, uh, but X-Pac's trying to turn it over to reverse the pressure. We all know how much pain someone gets in when the figure four's reversed. Can he just win himself over? No. Jarrett has it in control, turns him back round. Referee counts, but only gets a two count. Two. Exactly my point. The same with Jericho. A guy at X-Pac's size hasn't got a cruiserweight division in WWE. Light heavyweight division doesn't care about it. So if he's fighting any sort of mid-carder, he's got a size disadvantage. So he can't move or, you know, do things as easy as other people can. There's still a few, you know, 20, 30 pounds between Jeff Jett and X-Pac, which means he can't turn him, which means he does struggle. And now Jeff feels he's got this done. Well, he's looking for the figure four again, but X-Pac kicks him off into the top turnbuckle. High back body drop. But I think that's all X-Pac could manage, again, you know, with that injured back of the neck. Well, you think about the surgery that he had, how long it got, he, he, you know, it kept him out. He got fired from WCW over it, and now he's back in the biggest stage that he can at Madison Square Garden at WWE's biggest event, Summer. It won't matter if he can feel it. He breaks his neck. He will continue. That's how tough he is. But Jeff Jatt saying this is going to be the end. Comes in the right hand. Blocked by X-Pac. Blocked again. X-Pac calling him out. Spinning heel kick nearly takes Jarrett's head off. And now Pac's all fired up. Bronco Buster. Howard Finkel's loving what he sees. Oh, but Jeff Jack pulls himself up from the corner, only to get Irish ripped across. Responds with a back elbow, though. And now here comes Jeff Jarrett going to the top. Don't see him flying that often. Flying crossbody rolled through by X-Pac. Two. Oh, only managing a two count. Well, Jeff Jarrett, Irish ripping X-Pac. And he's going to go for the hurricanrolla. No, X-Pac turns it into the set-out powerbomb. Goes for the cover, but Jeff managing to kick out. Uh Well, Jeff is taking a couple of chances here. X-Pac Irish rips him to the corner. Oh! So what do you reckon means more? A personal feud like, you know, hair versus hair. Oh, hang on a minute. Jarrett's rolling up X-Pac, but X-Pac rolling through and getting the two count each. Two-two. And X-Pac there went in for the Bronco bus. Looked like on his, you know, landed on the top turnbuckle. Back of his neck. Gone back in for the Bronco Buster. And Jeff, I think, blocking it the best way he can with the leg up. And that is infuriated Finkel. Finkel is going to come in and start kicking ass in a minute. And Jeff Jack picking himself up. I don't mind him beating up May Young or Fabulous Moon, But you've got to leave Finkel alone. Jeff turns into the X-Factor. X-Puck, if you can get him for the cover, this is it. One, two. Oh! Only managing a two count, and now Southern two. Justice have finally come to Jarrett's aid. Oh my god, and now, oh, Dennis Knight going for the guitar shot. X-Puck dodged it, hung him up, got the guitar. Well, hits Jeff over the head of it. It says don't piss me off, but that'll be the end. One, two, three, X-Puck wins, and Jeff Jarrett, no thanks to Southern Justice, has to get his hair cut now. The thing's so happy, and oh, look at the outlaws coming out here. Even the odds, they didn't want them to beat down X-Pac. They got involved, didn't they, a couple of weeks ago when it was DX versus the nation. 
And it's always nice to see they've got the back of their team. X-Pac wins the match, Dan. What are your thoughts? Again, you know, it's, it's another solid match. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, to be honest. It's, uh, you know, finally someone going around shaving people's hair, getting his comeuppance, and it's not only the rest of DX, but the headbangers are out here as well, making sure he gets his just desserts. No, X-Pac's got the clippers. Did you know, James? I'm going to fact you again. The Clippers malfunctioned after the hair versus hair match. And it's always satisfying to watch some snivelling heel lose their locks as a result of dropping a hair versus hair match. Such was the case when Jeff Jarrett was defeated by X-Pac in the third match of the 98 SummerSlam. The likes of the New Age Outlaws, Draws and Howard Finkel were present when X-Pac went to take a little off the top of Double J. Sadly, the shave job didn't live up to the billing. Sean Waterman later lamented on the fact that the Clippers didn't work properly. Too easily clogging when besieged with clumps of Jarrett's hair. They turned to scissors for the trimming, but it was taking far too much pay-per-view time to cut it off. In the end, Jarrett was left with a half-staff Sean job that he would later refine looking shorter style. Yeah, you can see X-Pac struggling with it now. It's already clogged up. And even Jeff's in position there going, wait a minute. Now here come the scissors. And he is getting the trim and Sergeant S laughter there. So come on now. Well, it's come back to beat Jeff Jarrett, hasn't it? You know, after getting the Liberty's face. And now Finkel giving a little trim. Oh, my God. Look at the hair on Frasher's head. After this, if you see Jeff Jarrett getting his hair chopped off by X-Puck. And this would change Jeff Jarrett now. You know, we talk about wrestler getting changed. We talk about Kurt Angle. More probably the most famous hair versus hair match, you would say. But this one here did change Jeff Jarrett's gimmick from the kind of long-haired guy to the more serious Jeff Jarrett. That thought he could be a kind of main event later on. He was wrong about that in WWF. And the only reason he ever did was thanks to Dan's mate uh, NBC. But lots of stars in the house. Uh, Method Man from Wu-Tang Clan is here at Master Square Garden. I know you're a huge fan of Wu-Tang Clan. Oh, yeah. Mm. And now they're carting off Jeff Jarrett. Well, Southern Justice comes out to save him. But I think the damage... Has already been done what a most, one of the most embarrassing nights of Jeff Jarrett's career. He's got a mullet. Well, what is a mullet, Dan? It is <coughs> business at the front and party at the back. Just uh -oh. like uh, <laughs> Doc Hendricks there. Speaking of which, yeah, popping up at the perfect time, Doc Hendricks. And he's going to talk about the Lion's Den match, which is, well, basically an octagon, isn't it? No, but the Lion's Den uh, for Ken Shawk and Owen Hart. And we're in Madison Square Garden, we're in the theatre just nearby. And now we're backstage with The Rock. And The Rock is with our arrogant MT, the best intercontinental champ there ever was. If you smell what, what was cooking. <laughs> <laughs> the Rock is just so cool. The character works so well. Well, the Lions Den match will be later on the card. Up next, we're getting Jacqueline Mark Merrow coming out in matching robes. And Jackie here, looking good with Mark Marrow. Of course, he dumped Sable and has gone with Jackie now. Jackie! Yeah, Jackie. We don't know who Sable's partner is. Dan, who would you pick as Sable's partner? Mankind. <laughs> well, he's got the Outlaws, unfortunately, later on. But he could take the punishment in both matches. <laughs> Sable's not going to have an oddity 
in her corner, she said. Bart Gunn. Bart Gunn would be great. Left hand for Bart. Take Mera out. Would you tag with Sable? Oh, yeah. I'll tag Sable. And we see two weeks ago on Raw, the arm wrestling contest that ended in chaos and the table got thrown on Sable. Luckily, she had a chest protector on and then the trophy no, to the back of the head. chest protector, James. That's her breast. Oh, sorry. It looked like she had something under. Oh, my God. And then last week, Bob Marley beat her up. Yeah, man. I'd rather be in Sable as a sign in the crowd. Nice. And here comes Sable. You can't say she's not popular. The king is ready for Sable. Well, Sable might be up for a two-on-one. I think she said, let me introduce you to my partner. Oh, my God, Dan. Do you know what this means? Do you think you know me? Well, not only is it Edge, but making his pay-per-view debut, SummerSlam 1998, it is Edge. He's going to be Sable's partner. Oh, wow. A little fact, 20 years ago, Edge made his pay-per-view debut. A little fact. We're facting everybody tonight. And what a partner for Edge. I'm going to hit you with 10 inches of fact. I think that would be great. Edge with Sable. And look at Sable's look at Edge. She is pleased like I am with my partner. And (laughs) they're ready for action in this one. Jacqueline there. Very interesting uh, attire. Maybe a leotard over some pants. What's that, my love? They'd be called yoga pants, though, wouldn't they? Well, Sable wants Jackie, and Edge is ready for anyone. He's just happy to be here. We saw him beating up Gangrel a couple of weeks ago on Raw, so we wonder if they've got problems. I don't know if they've got a past. We don't know anything about Edge. He's an enigma at the moment. Mero, Golden Gloves, former Golden Gloves champion. Mero starts off, kicks the midsection, right hand. Yeah, former Connell champion as well. Can't discredit Mark Mero in this one. He's still gainfully employed with the WWF, so fair play to him. Edgelow, nice head scissors. Oh, very uh, innovative uh, arm drag takedown as well. Very easy for you to say, but Jacqueline gets a tag. She's she going to face off against Edge. She has faced men in the past, you know. This guy and Sano. screaming for the tag. And now Edge tags in Sable. Oh. And Jacqueline tags out as quickly as she can. I don't think Jacqueline wants any of Sable. Sable tags in Edge. And Edge, gonna, Edge will do the job for her. Might be a handy job as well that Edge does. As he tries to go for the go-behind. Mero blocks it. Dots his head low, gets kicked to the face. Oh. oh, and now Jacqueline grabbing the foot of Edge. Mero from behind. <laughs> and now Mero, Irish ripping Edge. Kick to the midsection, running off the rope. Oh, running knee lift. Drops edge to the mat. Mero getting choking out edge on the second row. I wonder why Mark Mero never made it. Yes. No, it's one of these things. I've been I've been watching a little bit of WWE back in the day, 1990s, early 90s. Johnny B. Bad when he was there. You've seen Johnny B. Bad as well. It's quite an entertaining type of character. When he signed with WWE, it was meant to be that kind of character. They couldn't do it. Kind of wildcat. The knee injury changed his style a little bit because he was a high flyer. And now it's more of a boxer. I, mean, I don't know. It's not a bad look. Going for the TKO. Oh, Edge counters it into a lovely spike DDT. Is it a fact he just got overshadowed by Sable, do you reckon? I, I, I think that kind of counted towards it. And then he's, you know, he's 
slightly dropping down the card. He's still got a bit of a feud going on with Sable. He's teamed up with Jacqueline now. I mean, Jacqueline goes on to have a bit of success in her own right. Yeah, I mean, she does stay around for a while. Yeah, credit to her. She gets a tag in. That means Edge can tag Sable. Double leg takedown by Sable, and she's just wailing away. I mean, Sable's very unimpressive in the ring. She, she is not there at all, is she? You know, nah. doesn't like she wants to either. She's more interested in the kind of the way she looks, and she'll get a response anyway. She just likes hearing the crowd chant for her yeah. tits, basically. Well, this is the difference between her and someone like Trish Stratus. Trish Stratus wanted to take it seriously, became a great wrestler. Sable was more interested in the success, and she was a huge factor in the attitude era as well. This is why she's on this kind of card, you know, this is for the reason. Jacqueline gave Sable a runaround, came back in. Mero got in the way. Oh, a low blow. <laughs> Referee saw it, but done nothing about it. Looking well, for a Sable bomb on Mark Mero. No, she can't. Oh. Jacqueline with a double axe handle smash from behind, though. Jacqueline saying she's the man. <laughs> and she gets Sable. Oh, my God. Across the second rope. Oh, lovely by Sable. Turns Jacqueline into the TKO. Bang. Now, that was impressive. One, two, oh. But Mero pulling Sable off. Well, he's done it before and he'll do it again. And Sable furious with Mark. Edge getting ushered out of the ring by Tim White. Oh, my God. Jacqueline hits Sable from behind. She goes down, falls on those wafer thin mats. Now thrown back inside by Edge and Jacqueline. And what is his go with Jamero? No, Jacqueline and Mero. Now they're just double teaming on Sable. Oh. Who moves out of the way. Jacqueline hits her man, Mero. Oh, and a big elbow strike <laughs> from Sable to Jacqueline. Drops her to the mat. And it's Jacqueline being a veteran, like Luna was at WrestleMania, selling Sable's offense as Edge comes in. Oh. Flying crossbody <laughs> over the top rope. Brings the fans to their feet. Uh, that was a great visual then as well with the fans landing. Edge looks around. Irish whips Mero into the stairs. <laughs> and it's kind of like, you know, the way Jacqueline's carrying Sable, it's kind of like the way Edge is carrying Mero. <laughs> yeah, it should be the other way around. Jacqueline is on the back of Edge. Not anymore. Oh, and Edge puts Jacqueline <laughs> over his leg and spanks her behind. Oh, my. <laughs> Edge throws Mero in. Edge now to the top. Hits a crossbody off the top. One, two. Oh, but Mero managing to kick out. Oh. You know, we have a go at fans nowadays, you know, how the crowd reacts. But back now, 20 years ago, Madison Square Garden, these fans are into everything that happens throughout the whole card. Every match they've been into, haven't they? And even you can see they're excited about it as Edge has got Mero up in a net breaker. That's like a draping neck breaker. <laughs> But, yeah, I think, you know, they've gone from one extent to the other. Oh. Oh, Edge had a pinfall one, but Jacqueline put Mero's left leg onto the ropes. But now Edge grabbing Jacqueline. And here comes Mero going to attack Edge from behind. Oh, Edge scouts it. Mero takes out Jacqueline. Oh, but only getting a two count. Two. Yeah, whereas the fans react to every single little thing now, it's kind of, you know, gone in reverse. Like, you know, they hardly react to anything at all. Yeah, I know, this is a problem now. They expect too much, sort of. You know, it's, sometimes it is little movements, even the crowd, like the 80s. There's little things they were doing that they were getting excited for, not just waiting for big bumps. Mero takes down Edge, and now he's on the top. Oh! 
and he gets crushed on the top, and he lands, and that's one of the best landings off the top that someone could take. Sable now going up. Sable can run And Sable going for cover. Jacqueline was on the top. Oh! oh Sable saw it out the corner of her eye. Jacqueline lands on Mero. Sable throws Jacqueline to a corner. Edge throws Mero into her. Oh, my God. Mero falls down. Jacqueline stumbling out. Oh! <laughs> Head first into Mero's uh, crutchula region. <laughs> Mero in trouble. Oh, downward spiral from Edge. And he picks Sable up. Oh. Wheelbarrows are on to Mero. One, two, three. Well, very Sable and a very entertaining match yet again here. Give you a little something else. What are your thoughts on it? <laughs> it wasn't a terrible match, you know. It is something that was better than it should have been. Yes. You know, that's uh... I thought it was really, really fun. I thought it was yeah. great. You know, like I said, Jacqueline was doing most of the work there for that. But the little spots that they had worked. And it made Sable look like a star. And he booked it. And, and it's, it's great booking by WWE to be involved. And even that finish there with Edge and Sable was cool. Indeed, yeah. But, um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fact you a bit now. You're going to fact me in the face with your 10 inches. Edge pitched the finish to the ma- mixed tag team match. Getting to team with Sable at the peak of her popularity is quite a plum spot for any wrestler, let alone a 24-year-old blue chipper like Adam Copeland. The role of a muted street urchin may have been ill-fitting, but there was plenty of buzz surrounding his eventual debut. However, after accidentally injuring Jose Estrada Jr. in his TV debut, a frazzled edge was set adrift in the mid-card. Despite the early struggles, Edge was put into the position to team with Sable against Mark Merrow and Jacqueline at SummerSlam, though he wanted Sable to get the pin on her then-husband. Edge knew he had to do something to make his mark. When planning the match in WWE's practice facility, Edge recommended a tag move that he and Christian performed many times on the Indies. A tandem front slam where Edge drops his partner from the wheelbarrow position, the move got a Great reaction, shapely sable wrapping her legs round someone's waist will turn heads, and an redempted edge got to be involved in a memorable enough spot, leaving the door open for other opportunities up the card. And that is what it means when you say a wrestler will opposition the card can cut of ideas and still wants to be happy with that, which is happening more now than, than ever before. People being happy with their spot. And even Edge back then, like you said, coming through Want to change ideas, and maybe that is why he made it, you know, in a weird way. Backstage, Mankind, in the interview, and I, again, I have to feel sorry for him. Getting asked how he's going to defend the tag team titles, he said he, he doesn't want to anymore. Not only has he lost his tag team partner, he's lost his car. That sledgehammer he had earlier, he's lost that as well now. So what the hell is the point? Well, he, he can said, always have a nice day. He says he wants to go outside and play with traffic. Who's going to come and save him? Wait a minute, it's Vincent Mann. One of the greatest promos of all time. So much has happened tonight. I don't know what else is going to happen, but you've had some time to think about it. The Undertaker just informed us that Kane is not going to show up here tonight at SummerSlam. So my question to you is, will you defend 
the tag team titles tonight, or are you, are you thinking of forfeit? Well, I don't know. I, I've lost my cut of forfeit, the damn belt. But Mankind, I mean, the people, I mean, they want to get their money's worth. They want to see the this. People, the people want their money's worth. Why? By God, I don't want to disappoint the people. Michael, why don't you be my partner, and we'll go out there, and we'll get our ass kicked all over Madison Square Garden. Better yet, I've got time. Let's go outside, and Mankind can play in traffic. You want your money's worth. You want your money's worth. But my God, that's it. Important to everybody. Nick, 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 Nick. Calm down. It's okay. It's me. I mean, it's okay, Vince. I'm gonna get killed out there. No, no, no. no. It's I'm okay. one person. I, I understand that, but look, nobody really wants to see you go play in the traffic. I don't think that's no, true. Nobody wants to see you come off the top of a cage. I don't think that's come true. Come on, come on. This is Madison Square Garden. It's competition yeah. at its height. Okay. I mean, come on. Do you remember when you were just a little kid and you hitchhiked? Yeah. To Madison Square Garden. You remember that? Yeah. Okay. Do you remember like you used to hang around 33rd Street? <laughs> And I'll wait for the boys to come out so you can get autographs. You remember that? Yeah, but this will be I, I don't understand that. I'm not, but it's Madison Square Garden. It's history. And this is where you belong. This is truly where you belong tonight. And I've got an idea, and it may be insane. It may be just a little crazy. But just think about it. If you, if you can, one man successfully defending the tag team championship, one man in Madison Square Garden I I can? on one night. What'll happen to me? I can guarantee you, you'll be in Madison Square Garden's Hall of Fame by next week. I will personally guarantee that. Vince, I don't, I, I don't have my sledgehammer. It's it, false it, count it, anywhere. I don't have any It's your weapons. kind of match. I don't it, have a weapon. It's no holes barred. I, I, you know, like, false count anywhere. It's you. I'm it's the, you. But, but where's my sledgehammer's not here. I don't have a weapon. There are plenty of weapons around. I need some minute. things, because if I can find something, immortality is something I'm very interested in, and this is the biggest arena in the world, and tonight mankind is going to successfully defend against two people. <laughs> well, look, look, I can hand you, look, I can hand you history in a silver platter. In a silver platter. Vince, if the outlaws don't like it, well... I've got 13 words for him. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? <laughs> Look, my man is even laughing at that there from Big Foley. That is great stuff there, Bolly Two. I mean, McMahon is the ultimate puppeteer, isn't he? He's the master manipulator. Mankind didn't want to get involved. And again, Vince saying to him, I can hand you history on a silver platter. If you go out there, the place where you were as a kid, Watching your superstars, you'll make the Hall of Fame, no doubt about it. And it just tells the story of poor mankind as well. Always wanting to be loved and still has to put his body on the line. And of course, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Up next, Owen Hart, Ken Shamrock, Lions Den. The Blackheart. Owen Hart has gone off the deep end. The world's most dangerous man. Well, Shamrock has just lost He's lost his composure. The highway to hell for these two superstars has been paved with controversy. Word in the locker room is that Owen Hart's special trainer for his Lions Den match at SummerSlam against Ken Shamrock is none other than Dan the Beast Severin. That announcement culminated months of turmoil. Owen Hart is going to try to break Shamrock's leg or his ankle or his foot. Owen Hart's got Shamrock in the sharpshooter. Owen Hart has gone off the deep end. What is Owen Hart doing? And we just 
So the build-up to Shamrock versus Owen has been uh, a bit weird over time because we sort of fully loaded in uh, the Stu Hart in the, in the dungeon match between Owen Hart and Ken Charrot, Dan Severin, Dan the Mustache Severin was the referee. Called it basically down the middle, Owen putting Shamrock through the roof and then, of course, hitting him in the head. This is Shamrock's payback, but it looks like Sam Severin has teamed with Owen. Does that give Owen an advantage in this UFC-style match, Dan? I honestly don't think so, no. I think, um, you know, despite having him in his corner, I still think it's going to come down to Ken, the crazy man Shamrock. Well, let's not forget, Shamrock is two years off, coming off a UFC where he's the world's most dangerous man, dubbed that by ABC. Won the ultimate fighter competition there. It's come over. And I think Shamrock, one of these looking back on it, is a real missed opportunity for him here. He had the fans behind him, you know, the feud with the Rock Reinicanel title. I think he just got bogged down. And I don't know what it was, whether it was behind or personality. I think that character could have gone quite far. And I wouldn't mind seeing him challenging for the WWE title maybe later down the line. It didn't work out for him. But pairing him with Owen Hart, someone who's a veteran, maybe helped him out in that way. But Owen... Even though he wanted to leave with his brother back in Survivor Series, do you think it was a good choice that Owen stayed? I mean, he's been featured a lot, hasn't he? What have you thought of the last nine months for Owen? Um, yeah, you know, I think despite being able to... Well, despite being punished, basically, um, I think, you know, he's kind of made the best out of a bad situation. situation. You know, he's part of the nation. He's getting a bit of a bump off the rock. You know, he's he's in his own quite high-profile matches as well. So, you know, he can't really be faulted. No, you can't. And I'll tell you what, Shamrock's outfit here, this is the first time he actually wore blue. And Shamrock, yeah, wearing blue for the first time here, which I love this look for Shamrock. I mean, he's such a cool fighter, and it's a bit of a shame, but he's locking this dragon's den, this dragon's cage, lion's den. I'll get it there in a minute. I mean, huge Shamrock chance. Well, huge nugget chance, I should say. I'm at one, two, three, four, five. How many sides has this got? Um, I'd have to go at 16. <laughs> at least 28. At least 42. Shamrock takes down Owen. He's looking to hyperextend. He's looking to hyperextend the elbow and Owen blocking it. Going to look to hyperextend the leg now with Shamrock. Owen sends Shamrock into the steel. <laughs> Shamrock now taken down, spine busted. Owen now shots, Shamrock turns it round. Right hands, rocking Owen. 
Yesterday, Reddit user Carter Voorhees posted details from an MLW podcast where former WWE writer Court Bauer explained how Randy Orton would expose himself to new writers. Allegedly, Orton would touch himself and then ask to shake hands with the writer. Below is Bauer's account of what happened via Reddit. For every new writer that would show up, he would come in the room, put his hand down his pants, pull out his dick, touch himself and then say, I'm Randy Orton, shake my hand. Oh, you don't want to shake my hand. You're big leaguing me. That's fucked up, man. Should I tell Vince and Steph you won't shake Randy Orton's hand? The writers would all start sweating and backing up into the corner like the guy's dick is still hanging out and he would be there cutting promos on a guy with his dick hanging out for like five minutes. Court goes on to say Orton was very intense so you could never tell if he was fucked off with you or if he was really hot. Court says he was lucky. Randy did it to him on the first day. He was with the company at TV. And just as he was about to put his dick out, Stephanie walked in. That's right. Shit went right back in his pants. Court describes it as a teacher entering the classroom. When asked if he was shaking his hand, Court says, I don't know. I'm a bit of a germaphobe. Court says this was something Orton would do during his Court's entire time at the WWE. And he's surprised Orton didn't get hit with his sexual harassment. You would suck Orton's cock if he flopped it out. When he, Hi, I'm, I'm Randy. Oh, 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 oh. I'll lick his fingers. I hope he gets fired, that sick cunt. It's like you would do. Do you know that? So like Owen Hart getting punched in the face by Ken Shamrock. Well, the referee's checking, but there's no pinfalls here. And the mat is harder. You can hear the bang off it with that back suplex. Owen goes for a clothesline. Shamrock's got the sleeper in. Owen blocks with a back arm and a low blow, which is legal in these type of matches. Clothesline is Shamrock into the cage, but he bounces out with a clothesline. Shamrock with a knee to the midsection. Another knee to the face. <clears throat> He's just ripping Owen Hart's T-shirt off. Clotheslines him down. Quite a short arm clothesline. Well, Shamrock is intense, but he's in the cage at the moment. And he's got a T-shirt around Owen's neck. He's in the T-shirt as a kind of perform a snapmare takedown. And there's not a lot that the moustache can do on the outside. <clears throat> Well, he can coach Owen, say, don't get beat up, but it looks like he's bloody and beaten already. Well, that was nice by Shamrock, using the cage as a springboard. That was very impressive by Shamrock, i give him that. And now he's going to Irish rip Owen. Throws him in, Owen just bounces off the sides of the cage, arm drag takedown. Boom! <laughs> oh my God, though, Owen sends Shamrock right into that metal, I don't know what it is. Well, he's, it's one of the support posts on the cage. Fucking solid. Bounces his head off that twice. Oh, Shamrock might not be the brightest man. He might be one of the toughest, so shots are out. I think he can survive. And Owen from the right hands. But big Shamrock chance. Shamrock now struggling to get to his feet. Owen's got him. And yet again in that structure. Oh, oh Owen Hart teasing the left foot and catching him with a step up in Seguri. Well, that move to capture Michaels. For a number of months. That's a dangerous, dangerous move. Irish rips Shamrock into the cage. Doesn't come out of a clothesline this time. But gets Ooh. a one-man flapjack into the side of the cage. Owen picks him up. Oh! Backbreaker. Now big right hands by Owen. Well, the moustache just wants Owen Hart to break free in this match. As Shamrock back body drops him. Well, who wants to live forever? Shamrock down. And look at the moustache just screaming on. Oh, Shamrock kicks him off. 
And now Shamrock and Owen trading big blows. Owen again. Shortcuts him low blow. Hits an uppercut. Shamrock in trouble. Upper, Upper what? what? Hurricane runner attempt. Shamrock sits out there though. Powerbomb. Oh, great clothesline there by Shamrock and Owen. Build momentum. Diving off the cage again. Back elbow. Knocks Owen down. Just kicks Owen Hart right in the jaw. Tries to spring off again. Oh, gets caught by Owen Hart. Turns it into a power slam. Owen Hart has just taken over in this match. Nugget no more. He's got Shamrock up. Oh. Belly to belly overhead. That was impressive by the Owen. <laughs> Sharpshooter time. Can he get it turned? Yes. yes. Well, Shamrock's got nowhere to go. And Seven saying, tap, tap. Shamrock busted open using the cage. He's using it to Pull climb. himself up. <laughs> yeah. With one of Vart just suppose over the ropes. And this must hurt Ken even more. Making it harder for Owen to hold the grip, though. And he's blocking Owen's right. Owen sends Shamrock into the cage. Picks him up. But oh! Turns it into a lovely spike DDT. So you don't get many of these matches. You know, like last last month they had a... Uh, uh, yeah, it was their dungeon match. They had a, you know, they had a dungeon match. They got a Lions Den match. You know, it's the best thing we've seen is the Hardys compound and the Wyatt compound you, matches. Would you, rather, would you want to see more gimmick, different matches now created? Do you know what I mean? Do you think it's time? Have we had it enough? is time. <laughs> it's time. It's new match time. No, seriously, though. Do you think it's like yeah. last man standing? No, just got to play. Do you think they should change it up and just be like, right, let's try different things? I think they should. They should. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of getting a bit stale. Mm. You know, it's like what was the last kind of gimmick match we had? Like the Money in the Bank, but you know that stems from a ladder match, so that don't really count. The Elimination Chamber was what. 16 years ago now? Yeah, it's that long, long time now, yeah. <clears throat> oh, wow, very impressive. <laughs> Guillotine headlock from Owen Hart. Shamrock walks the cage. Arm drags Owen down and goes straight for the ankle. Owen's trying to get Dan Severin in there, but, you know, he's not coming in. Oh, and now he just walks away. Oh, my God, rather than helping Owen, he walks away. Owen's tapping out like a bitch. Referee calls for it, but Shamrock is intent. On snapping the ankle. And the referee's climbed in there, trying to get Shamrock to break the hole, but he's going to be more happy breaking the ankle. And Shamrock wins. Impressive there. What do you think of the match? Again, you know, I thought it was quite a well-worked match. You know, you could see that Owen Hart was kind of carrying the more greener Shamrock throughout the majority of the match, which, you know, I don't mind that happening at all. Owen's a great worker in the, you know, he's, he's a great worker in the ring, or in this case, in the... Uh, Dodecahedron, I believe it is. <laughs> yeah, I think it is, yeah. But, you know, it's, it, it was quite a well-worked match, and, yeah, you know, I, I don't see anything wrong with it. No, I mean, Shamrock, the fans are behind him, like you said. Everything he did looked pretty smooth as well, so it's all good for um, Ken, of course, winning King of the Ring 1998. Hopefully, he can take a step towards that. But going back to gimmick matches, I still don't think they use two out of three fools matches, submission matches, as much as they should, you know. I think that's the kind of thing. Three stages of hell match. I think it would be quite a good uh, thing to bring back. Anything new, just look at the rest and see what they can do. Yeah. You know, someone like Dean Ambrose, he's he's got a history of having uh, the crazier kind of matches. 
you know, you've got so Bobby Lashley who are accomplished UFC fighters. Why not put them in like a, an octagon style match? I don't know if if they get done for a bit of gimmick infringement, you know. But then they've got a bit of a partnership with exactly. UFC, so maybe there'd be a bit of leeway in kind of matches like that. I don't think they should go back down the brawl for all route no, because no, no. you know that was completely terrible. But no, yeah, I mean, there's, there's opportunities there to like you say to do it. And what about a yard match? You know, Roman Reigns will say it's his yard. The other guy says it's his yard. And what about something like that? You know, they, they can they can do that. If you're wondering now, we come back to live action after the Austin interview. There's TVs there, no big screen, so it meant the front through, the first front few rows could watch the uh, Ken Shamrock match. We just seen Austin interviewed. He is all business tonight. He says he will beat the Undertaker, and if Kane wants to show up, he will beat him as well. He's walking out here, WF champion. That's all he's got to say about that. That's the bottom line. Pushing Michael Cole. He means business. What? But now it's tag team titles, and it is going to be a handicap match. Mankind is going to war with the Outlaws. Can he do it? Well, Mankind is the tag team champions. Can, can he? I know, I'm the tag team champions. Can Mankind get the job done tonight? Can Mankind win? Yeah, can he win? He's uh, batshit crazy, and he can punishment. I don't see why not. But then, you know, this is the same New Age Outlaws that beat both Cactus Jack, or was it Do Love? What's his name, that old fart? Terry Funk, for the titles originally. So, you know, it's, it is quite um, against him, to be honest. Yeah, well, I think that is interesting if you look at WrestleMania. Uh, like I said, Cactus and Funk, or Chase or Charlie, beat the Outlaws for the titles the following night in Raw in a cage with the new DX formed, costing them that very straps themselves. So Mankind's still got a problem with him there. Cahool's challenged Austin for the WF Championship. That's where his problem with him comes from. And obviously we know about the past with The Untaker, but it's still unfinished business. It's just a shame Mankind hasn't got anybody to rely on. You know, Paul Bearer's lied to him. Vincent Mann's lying to him. Kane. Kane! Has Kane. turned his back on him. And now yeah. he's got to get the Outlaws. For me, that's like, a bit strange because it makes the Outlaws look a bit healy. And I don't know if that's what they want to do or not, but I know Mankind's a bad guy, but any time it's a handicap, do you know what I mean? It, it makes you kind of, you feel a bit sympathetic for him. But he has got the silver platter that a man handed to him. And JR is brilliant on commentary at this point. So I'm mean, the king, is good backup for him as well. July 13th, the Outlaws lost the title, and he's saying, look, they're just going to go out there and get the job done. Don't think of them as bad guys. They just want the title belts. Of course, they're over as fuck as well. And they're bringing the dumpster with them. Talk about history repeating. Have they got an affiliation with South Park or something? Tom as well, isn't it, you know? In 1998, it was Jerry Springer, South Park, and WRF, and Billy Gunn and Road Dog get hit with that silver platter. And they brought a dumpster out full of weapons. Duke the jumps dumpster? <laughs> yeah. Mankind saying to everybody, get out of the way, Tony Jimmel. There's his tag team partner, a steel chair. Oh, Mankind and Gun gonna have some dueling chairs. Oh. <laughs> ching, ching, like a proper sword fight there. Mankind now's got the advantage, but he could be in trouble. Oh no! Rody pulling the chair, pulling Mankind back to the corner. Now both pe- both both members of the Outlaws stomping on Mankind. <laughs> Well, this is a bit unfair. Billy's saying, God, my, my knuckle hurt from that chair. Yeah, I feel sorry for you. Mankind's been thrown off the head of the cell three times in the past two months. And now he's going <laughs> to 
two-on-one handicap match, fools count anywhere, <laughs> anything goes for his title belts. Exactly. Poor mankind. What has he done to deserve this? And he's fighting him. Oh. Oh, he was doing all right. Oh, a contrato as well. Hey. Well, four, uh, half a dozen tray shots to the face. Yeah, they're just going to come out here and get the job done enough to get their tag team titles. Most are not going to punish Foley. Well, slapping him across the face. And the thing is with Mankai, you know, the slow baby face turn of him at this point in time, even though he's a bad guy, it works so well because it's such a great story being told by them and the outlaws are going to get the job done. But we know they're nasty. You know, that's what the attitude is with the outlaws. But are they doing what it takes to put mankind away? I mean, you know, everyone knows he's a crazy son bitch. He got thrown off the top of hell in a cell, <laughs> and he still got up and wanted more. That, that is fair point, you know. So it's a dangerous place for the outlaws to be. Uh, Billy Gunn sent over the top, and Rodog got a knee to the face with a cooking sheet. Oh, swinging netbreaker of mankind working over both members. One, two. Oh, oh. only getting a two count. Two. Well, nearly getting the job done then, so, you know, this is close. And now Mankind's up. He's going to go for the cactus elbow. Oh. Well, he got hit with a road dog elbow as he was running across the edge of the ring apron. And now Mankind working on road dog as Billy is getting a weapon out of the... Well, he saves his partner from getting suplexed. And now both men are double-teaming Mankind. Oh. Oh. Throwing back of the head first into that trash can or dumpster well wherever it's gonna fucking hurt a mankind no actually we're English it's a fucking wheelie bin it is a wheelie bin thank you very much it's a red wheelie bin which is not easy to say where you wheelie bin where's your red wheelie bin Billy throwing mankind in and uh oh they got a table roadie get the tables now, the outlaws chant, I think, of the crowd chant, I think you fucked up. I, think, I don't know if it was about the table. And now Billy's going to set Mankind up. Hip oh. toss into the table, but it was reversed by Mankind. Throws Mr. Ass into it and then clotheslines Roadie. And you can hear by the crowd support as well that they like Foley here. He's from New York. He hitchhiked here to watch his favourite wrestlers as a child. Exactly. He saw Jimmy Snooker, the... the the wife killer flying off the top of the cage, hitting Don Morocco, and now a D3D, but Mick Foley kicks out. Uh. Uh-oh, they're setting the chairs up, and the end is near. Uh-oh. Billy's picking them up. Powerbomb on the chairs. Well, the chairs are dented. Good, good God Almighty, that is a human being. Rodog goes for the cover. One, two. Oh! Well, the music started playing, but Mankind kicked out. Ah. Music man fucked up. And now they've got the title belt. Oh, looking for that spiked seated pole driver on the title. One, two, two, three. And we've got new tag team champions. And they say, cut the damn music. I tell you what's weird, as Billy Gunn tells Mankind to suck it, what a journey those tag team titles have been on since July 13th. The Outlaws have lost them. It's been Austin Undertaker, Canning of Mankind, feuding over them, 
We've seen some great matches on Raw. Now it comes back to the Outlaws. Will we have a tag team division they can start building towards? But they're still, again, I show they've got a nasty side because they're taking Mankind out and they say they're going to take you out of the rubbish and they're going to put him in the wheelie bin. Well, this is getting helped out of the arena and he wasn't thrown in, so I mean, he was placing there quite nicely. Gently enough, and now they're shutting <coughs> the doors on Mankind. He's taking title reign. He has lost everything at Madison Square Garden. He's lost his partner, his manager, his tag team titles. And, and I'll tell you another thing as well. It's annoying me at the moment. Where is Kane tonight? Is he going to be in the corner of The Undertaker? Where is he going? Oh, my God. Well, he's just turned from Mankind into Kane, I think. <laughs> oh, my God. And Kane's got a sledgehammer. He's here, and he's in a wheelie bin. Oh! He's just beating away on Mankind, who's been chucked in the wheelie bin with a sledgehammer. Does Triple H know he's using his sledgehammer? Well, the, the Outlaws, outlaws <laughs> hightailing it out there, saying, yeah, we got our titles. What happens is between you two guys. Well, Kane has just crushed Mankind there. Oh, that is bad. JR's damning to hell, and so he should. Make sure the brake's not on. And now Kane pushing the wheelie bin out here. My God, that is sickening by Kane. It's heinous. Well, James, Billy Gunn set a tag team title record. Ooh. <clears throat> the New Age Outlaws defeated Mankind in an Anything Goes handicap match to become the WWE Tag Team Champions once more. Though the match result was rendered inevitable by the Outlaws wailing on the defenceless Mankind for a good five minutes, the Outlaws' victory allowed Billy Gunn to make history. Billy Gunn won his sixth World Tag Team title under the WWE header, breaking out of a four-way tie with Mr. Fuji, Tony Guerrero, a.k.a. the IRS. It was his third reign with the Road Dog, matching the trio he'd won in the mid-90s as one half of the Smoking Guns. In all... Gunn would end up with 11 different reigns as a tag team champion in WWE, passed only by... Edge. With how many? 14. Thank you. (laughs) You smart cunt. (laughs) You smart. You're such a smart. Up next is a ladder match for the Intercontinental titles of Rock versus Triple H. And let's have a look at the promo. And The Rock is the best damn intercontinental champ there ever was. To the great young stars currently competing here in the WWF in a big-time marquee matchup. (laughs) Part of The Rock will now be played by Triple H. You know, the crowd just came from the bathroom. You should have smelled what The Rock was cooking. I ain't thinking. You should have smelled what The Rock was baking. The Rock was baking! Can you imagine The Rock? He's broken every piece of furniture in his living room right now. But when The Rock gets a hold of your candy ass, he's going to lay the smack down on you. The Rock is here. Oh, the Rock. With the Have stolen the European title from DX and Triple H. 
But Triple H in DX would strike back. You got company there, Rock. And oh, no! And cut it off! A picture-perfect DDT! And there's Hillsley! Yeah, Rock! Pedigree! Pedigree! Hillsley did the damage! Hey, Rock! Look out! Watch it! Boom! Oh, in the face! That may be it! A little grappling DX style. It's a street fight. There's that ladder in the ring, JR. Rock is making sure Triple H will never forget this now. Rock using that. The ladder. Oh, ladder right in the gut. The Rock. No, he's not. No, he's not. Look out here. Don't do that. Come on. Come on. Oh, man. Triple H is helpless. He has been left in a bad, bad way. Rock. You want to bring ladders into the ring? Let's bring the ladder to Madison Square Garden. And let's see who the real man is, Rock. Here's your answer. You bet your pretty ass. Look at the look on China's face. I think she's here to get physical. Last week, China called out The Rock. But it was the people's champ who turned the tables, barricading DX in their locker room and proceeding to publicly humiliate China, a move that incensed Triple H. Look who's coming. Oh, yeah. He's going to climb the people's ladder. He's going to reach up and snatch the Rock's Intercontinental title. At SummerSlam, you are going to be my... The Rock and Triple H, the ladder match. I don't sound like an old man, but they don't make promos like that anymore, do they? <laughs> they don't indeed. In, they don't indeed. So, Dan, what are your thoughts on that promo? Fuck me, that is a great promo. <laughs> I mean, it's just brought everything out that's happened with him in the last month or so. And, you know, it's, it's like it's coming to a fruition. You know, the two leaders of the nation and DX, you know, going head-to-head over a title. They've been screwing each other out of titles. They've been screwing each other out of matches. It's been a massive game of one-upmanship. And, you know, we're brought out here. We've got the DX band. It's a big fight, Phil, you know, with Madison Square Garden. Like you said, Austin and the Untaker are the two main guys. We know that. But why not have the two best of the rest guys going at it? That's what we're having the Rock and Triple H. And both men are going to be big future stars. You get the feeling from it here. You know what I mean? Co-main event. Why did not WWE try and do this more often? You know, it, it, did it? was it just by chance that it was Triple H and the Rock and no other two guys can do it? It, like you said, makes perfect sense. I've got a couple of little facts, actually. D-Generation X band were in the arena, and they did the instruction for Triple H. They were in the ring for the song. Lee Singh was a guy named Chris Warren, who passed away last year in June 2016. Rest in peace, CW. 
And did you know, James, that this is The Rock's first SummerSlam? He was in the company at the previous SummerSlam, but was not on the card. Oh, that was interesting. Well, The Rock was a hill champ while Triple H was a face. Rock was 26 years old at the time, and Triple H was 29 years old. This was the third ladder match, only the third ladder match in WWE history. Uh, the first one would be Brett and Sean. Oh, no, the, the other two, sorry, would be Shawn Marcus versus Razor Ramon at WrestleMania 10 and SummerSlam 95. So three years on, we're getting Triple H. Well, The Rock has arrived after Triple H. I mean, Triple H essentially was cool. Coming out of China's coming out here in lime green as well with a man. Of course, she's got manager license. The Rock coming out here, going up the ladder, which is in the Isle Away at Madison Square Garden. You know, this is the highest either man have got at the moment. Well, yes, uh, Triple H worked this ladder match with a severe knee injury. Ooh. A true staking of the night went to two intercontinental level guys. They were ended up as top dogs before long, The Rock and Triple H. After a so-so two out of three falls match at Fully Loaded the previous month, Rock and Helmsley tore the garden down with a ladder match for the ages. Amazingly, Triple H held up his half of it on one goodwill. Helmsley had been hampered by a bad knee going back weeks before the pay-per-view. According to Wrestling Observer Newsletter, the two were expected to have a dry run ladder match at the August 16 house show in Colorado, but were, un- but were unable due to Helmsley's injury. Triple H ensuing rain... Triple H's ensuing reign would be short-lived, vacating the Intercontinental title belt in late September and not returning from surgery until the end of November. My God, so that's what we've got to look forward to, Triple H being out for a period of time. But Mark Henry there just made me laugh because he's uh, flicking the tongue at China. Of course, he nearly did the date with her on Raw. It wasn't for sure Michael's helping him out, helping China out. But Mark Henry's got to go on the outside. And The Rock does want to give away the Intercontinental title. And the Intercontinental title has been contested three times in three ladder matches. Three years ago since the last one at this time. And Mike Kyoda hangs the title belt. And that's going to be at least 50 foot in the air. It's got to be at least 60 to 70 feet in the air. And Triple H decked in purple tonight. This reminds me, as they're hoisting the belt up, Shawn Michaels lost his shit. I think it was SummerSlam 95 where the referee couldn't do it. Asked him to pull it back down, sort it out himself. But they've got it out without much problem here, so I think that's all right. And now The Rock and Triple H face-to-face, and The Rock says, Fuck you, you motherfucker. And now the right hands to start. It's Rock and Triple H. Triple H and The Rock. And The Rock now showed his power, though. Don't forget The Rock 6'5", 275. The only third-generation superstar in history at this point. And now Triple H pissed on fire. Working the right hands, picks up the rock again, but gets reversed Irish whipped. Head down, gets caught in a big knee. And now Triple H telling him to suck it. Goes for the clothesline, Rock's got rock bottom. Oh no, Triple H fights out of it. Rock goes down low to the knee and then gives him a big right hand to the jaw. And the Rock and Triple H always had great chemistry as well, didn't they? You know, even going back younger days. You know, you talk about how weird connections between the two. You know, Triple H was in the when the Rock made his debut at Survivor Series. Triple H was in the opposing team for that. So ever since then, you know they kind of been let's go for the pedigree, and the Rock throws him all the way to the outside, right on those wafer thin mats. And how thin are those mats? Those mats are mere millimeters thick, and it's you know it's over pure concrete. Well, Triple H goes splat on the outside, and not only after his debut as well, but Rock's first Intercontinental Title win. Do you know who that was against? No idea. Triple H, and there he goes. So, the connection between the two. 
And then, like I said, 98-99 looking to become champion. And then in 2000, these two men locked by the hip. And the Rock's going for the ladder, but Triple H is up. Big right hand. Sends him into Barry Cade, and they're right up the aisle now. Straight up that aisle. Triple H sending the Rock into the other side. And referee just telling the fans to be careful. These two great athletes as the <coughs> Rock gets rocked. And Triple H dragging the Rock back towards the ring via bouncing his head off the barricade. Now Triple H sending the Rock inside. I mean, who do you think it favours on the outside? Do you think it's Rock or Triple H? Uh, I think Triple H is more hardcore than the Rock. But then Triple H isn't wearing his hardcore jeans. Well, this is the difference. I mean, we saw the street fight between the Nation and DX a couple of weeks ago on Raw. I mean, the Rock was quite good using weapons there. They had the advantage over Triple H, busting them open. I don't think Triple H has forgotten about that. Nation have kind of one-upped Triple H in recent times. But the game hits to the knee and goes to the outside now to get the ladder. But the Rock's up and he, Triple H falls down on top of the ladder. A huge Rocky sucks chant coming from the crowd. <laughs> he tells the crowd exactly what he thinks of him. Credit the Rock and his Intercontinental title reign. There's only been one Intercontinental champion the whole of 1998 so far. And that is the man holding the ladder at this moment, the great one. But he looks set to go and grab it again. He's taken the ladder to the ring, but Triple H cuts him off before he can get into it. And a barricade has taken a bit of punishment tonight. Well, the rock goes flying, in it? And now the ladder set up Irish first. Oh, Triple H goes shoulder first into the ladder. It comes out from to a rock clothesline. And now the rock's got the game down. Rock throws the ladder in. And the rock looking up. And he can't enter kind of title. We're going to set up the ladder. Of course, it's a yellow ladder. People might be surprised by that, but... There weren't a lot of ladder choice back in the day, to be fair, 20 years ago. They went with the kind of silver ladder it was now, but for a time it was black and silver. I remember the yellow ladder. What goes a climbing and Triple H has gone to the top rope. Oh, double X handle smash and the ladder falls on his back. (laughs) I don't think that was intended, but he's sealing it well. Well, I think he'll take that bump if it means the Rock can't get the title for now. Yeah, shortened those careers, didn't they? Still resting 20 years later. <laughs> Good one, Joe. The Rock is bigger than yeah. Now Triple H's got the ladder. Oh! And he slams it into the Rock's chest. First time the ladder's actually been a friend to Triple H. Oh! Driving it into the sternum of the Rock. Well, I think the Rock can smell what Triple H is cooking now. And knowing the state that Triple H is in as well, you know, you can't help but wonder if he's selling or if it actually is a genuine injury. Yeah, exactly. I think that's bad. He might have hyperextended it. There's a bit of trouble and a rock's going to target it. I'd say he's definitely got internal bleeding in that knee. And the rock's forgetting about the ladder. He's just saying, I'm going to beat the piss out of Triple H for a bit. Well, you take out his legs, he ain't going to be able to climb up the ladder to stop you. Well, oh. he's, you know, he's going for the quadriceps, and a few years later, that'll affect Triple H in a major way. Major way. Yeah, he, twice he's done it, so maybe this is where the trouble started, all thanks to The Rock. And his elbows. And we know how dangerous The Rock's elbows are. <laughs> he has the most electrifying elbows in sports entertainment. But now he's just targeting the area, and we, we talk about The Rock being vicious. We have seen a slightly vicious side to him in... Maybe he doesn't need to cheat to get the job done. Oh! And that is heinous. The Rock there having a ladder and then just let it fall on Triple H with the impact right on that leg and again connects the ladder in between the leg. Oh! And stomping away now. I bet China's desperate to get involved in the match. 
And now the rock's going outside. What's he looking for? Uh, he's looking for another weapon. Well, so we've got a ladder and a chair. All we need is the table. Oh! Oh, Triple H's leg is sandwiched in between the uh, ladder. And the rock just hits it with a chair. And that chair shot sounded like a gunshot. Well, Triple H's leg is seriously damaged right now. And now the rock going to the ring post. I think he fucked that one up a little bit as well. Bouncing Triple H's foot off the top of the stairs. I think the rock planned for that. He wanted double the damage. I mean, he is a great You've got to give him credit. And now he brings the ladder out. And he's setting the ladder in between the stairs and barricade. Oh, oh, dropping Triple H knee first onto that ladder. <laughs> oh, you can you can hear how heavy duty that is. And following up with an elbow off the ladder, or taking Triple H off the ladder, should I say? And now the Rock. I mean, all he needs to do is get in there. And the title is. I don't think Triple H is getting up. Mark Henry, That's licking Mark it. Henry Tyson, by the way. Look, I don't see colour. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Mark Henry licking his lips at China. And The Rock goes to climb to reclaim his Intercontinental title. And The Rock climbing slowly. I mean, he's had a lot of punishment taken out of him. But slow and steady wins the race. Get there in time before Rock gets the belt. Yes. Shoves The Rock off the ladder. I think he more fell into him than pushed him. Well, fingertips. Rock got fingertips on that title. And now it's Triple H's. No, Triple H just wants to knock the ladder down. Maybe he needs it to get himself back up. Going to use it as a crutch. No, he's just getting it out of the ring. Well, the match got in tonight, though. Well, now Triple H throwing a rock on the outside. He's just throwing everything out of the ring. Exactly. <laughs> he just doesn't like everything in the ring. He's a he's a clean freak. And he's got that ladder in MSG. Sets up against Barricade. And now Triple H saying, now, Rock, short turn, mate. <laughs> no, Rock blocks it. Elbow to the midsection. Big right hand. Oh, no. And now he's going to go for the move. That doesn't work, sending Triple H face first into the steps. Oh my god, and Triple H bounced off that. Absolutely fucking brilliant. You know, we criticise Triple H nowadays for being a, a guy that doesn't put anyone else over, but, you know, who's putting him over? He's putting himself over right now, isn't he? Well, yeah, he's, he's, he's working hard at the moment before he has to drop down a couple of gears, but... That was great. Went into the ladder with a slingshot. The move don't work. And then, as he fell down, head hit the outs table. And now the Rock's got the ladder. Triple H is crawling. Oh, as the Rock come towards him, Triple H managed to get his foot up to the midsection. The Rock dropped the ladder. We just see a replay of the slingshot. And it's just the way he staggers about. He's like, whoa, whoa, I got it, I got it, I got it. Doink. And <laughs> <laughs> the Rock... Oh, Shiffy Triple H, no! Oh, reversal, and Triple H follows up with a clothesline, taking the rock down. Oh, the ladder's set on the floor, and now Triple H. Is he going to try and pedigree on the ladder? No, the rock. Back body oh. drop to Triple H. I mean, Triple H has taken a lot of punishment <laughs> throughout this match. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's been the one bumping around. What a great match it's been. But I'll tell you something else as well, I will say. Uh, Madison Square Garden I still think it's a great arena and it, I think it's something special about it especially like they say the entrance way and where it was I think it's a shame WWE you know refused to do pay-per-views there anymore and rather use a Brooklyn Centre and I'm looking forward to seeing Ring of Honor and New Japan use Madison Square Garden and that's going to take place at Wrestlemania weekend yeah. the same time as TakeOver Henry's thrown another ladder into the ring what's going on here then? 
Well, two is better than one. And JR now getting upset on commentary. He needs to calm down a little bit. Maybe this one's uh, not as, you know, the other one wasn't as secure. Just thinking of safety in the workplace. Exactly, making sure it, it works. And China trying to get Triple H up. Oh! Mark Henry coming towards Triple H. He gives a big right hand sent to the mat. And Triple H somehow dragging himself in, but Mark Henry's got hold of him. And now the Rock's going to go up and get a title belt. Now here comes China with a forearm. She floors Mark Henry. But the Rock's there. He's got a hand on the title belt. No! Oh, Triple H pushes him off, sends the Rock to the outside. And the Rock was nearly there at the title belt. Oh, how close is he? He goes thundering to the outside. But what helps him out is, his, well, the damage Triple H is sustained, plus the fact the ladder's falling down. Oh! And Triple H with a baseball slide to the ladder to Rock's face. And look at that bloke standing there in the middle, look. He's just like, <laughs> that was good, wasn't it? Well, the ladder's shaped like an arrow, and Triple H used it to identify Rock's head. Rock's head bouncing off it. <laughs> you have failed this. You have failed match. New York City. And that might have busted the rock open there. It did indeed. The rock is wearing a crimson mask. Well, he's trying his best. Probably his first blade job. You can see where he's cut it. And when the ring apron moved early, you can see him throwing it underneath. But it's the impact of the match. He's outside. And now Triple H slowly climbing. Remember, he's got a bag. Bad peg. So he's not going to be climbing fast. But the rock's tasting his own blood. Can you smell it? The rock is bleeding. Triple H is there and the fans. He's got hands on it. Oh. Fucking hell. <laughs> Triple H came down in a crumple there. I think he fell the right way as soon as the ladder was on the other side. But that did actually look sore. Well, with a serious leg injury, he's glad he didn't fall on it. And now the Rock's had enough. Big right hands. Triple H rocking back to the ropes. I think he's using him to hold himself up. Well, the Rock's used the ladder well and sets it up in a corner. Oh, my God. You talk about what the Intercontinental title means. Well, this match is contested for it. Just try and look now. Irish ripped by Triple H to the Rock. No. Reversed. And then the Rock turns it into a lovely spike DDT. And look at this visual now. Both men down across the mat. You can see him, basically, you know what I mean? Shoulder to shoulder. The rock busted open. The perspiration and the hurt on Triple H's face. It's one of my favourite visuals in WWE history. It really is. Tells you the story of the match. And China and Mark Henry looking on. And the rock setting up the ladder. Barely able to make it up there. You can imagine the blood in the rock's face. And all sweat. And everything that's going on, the damage he's taken. He can't see the target properly. He can't even see Triple H crawling. And The Rock trying to reach it. Oh, fingertips. And now both men trading blows. You say The Rock's got the advantage at the moment, but only just. Well, Triple H fighting his way back into it. The Rock with an eye poke. Now bouncing Triple H's head off the steps. Oh, throws him face first into the ladder. Oh. But the Triple H, I think, with a last gasp attempt, pushes the ladder over. And I've just seen... Mr. Pink shirt and Mrs. Green shirt. And what a move that was by both men. Triple H getting the damage on one ladder and sending the rock over the other side. The fans 
I'm loving it as well. And now trying to handle Triple H's chair. But the Rock's got the ladder already. Now he's laying it down. The Rock picking up the ladder. Oh! Well, he's charging towards Triple H with the ladder. Triple H with a loaded chair in his hands. Just swelts the Rock in the face. The ladder hits him. And now the ladder's on his chest. And Triple H is just wailing away at it with the chair. And listen to the crowd, absolutely loving every moment, stomping her feet, clapping her hands. But now the rock's sitting down the ladder. Oh, oh, slams Triple H onto the ladder. It's not, is it? It looks like it is. The most electrified move in sports entertainment. Oh, on top of a ladder as well. He'll be out for a week. And the fans are even chanting Rocky for once. And The Rock now setting up the ladder. But Triple H kicking him in between the ladder. You can see where the rungs are broken where Triple H got hit. Kicks The Rock off. Jumps down. Straight into The Rock bottom. Oh, pants Triple H. My God. And what else can they give in this match? China looking on. She can't believe it. That's it down now. All the Rock has to do is get the ladder climb up there. And it's his. Well, Rock's slowly climbing up there. And JR says, how can you imagine how their bodies feel well? I imagine it feels like being thrown out of a moving auto vehicle. Indeed, yes. Now, Rock's slowly climbing it. Triple H's trying to pursue him, but I just don't think he's got it in him. He's kicking the head of Triple H. Rock halfway home right now. Triple H is relentless though, like a pit bull. Oh! Pulls the Rock's trunks down at the back, exposing the people's ass. I think, oh, there we go, Triple H's got him, pedigree! Can he capitalise on that though? Well, the Rock is out. And the fans all on their feet, desperate for Triple H to go up there. And get the Intercontinental title belt. Oh! Oh, Henry with the mysterious powder. And now Mark Henry saying, The Rock's your chance up there now. And Triple H can't see a thing. With one low and no eyes struggling to climb up. He's somewhere near, but The Rock's up as well. Hunter Hearst Helmsley hasn't got any eyes. Oh, Triple H's got it, but The Rock stops him. Right hand and laying a bit smacking it. Triple H falls down the ladder. The Rock's got this now. Oh, oh China up from behind with a low blow. The Rock tumbles to the mat. Mike Curl is saying, what the hell did you just do? Even the playing field. Well, Mike Henry did get involved first as the Triple H climbs up. Can he get it? The Rock's up. No. And look at that reaction. Triple H on top of the ladder. Is it again? My God. What a moment. What a match. Triple H is your Intercontinental champion. My God. What a great match. It is. I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? It's, it was absolutely brilliant, these two guys. You know, that's... And, you know, without even knowing what these two guys become, I mean, these... They both become pillars... For the next, well, in Triple H's case, the Rocks, what the next fifteen years, you know, in and out of this, in and out of the game, and that, and you know, it's it's just great seeing 
a matchup that's often overlooked. Uh, well, it's very, might be one of these matches. Yeah, people don't know about as DX come out here to celebrate with Triple H. But I mean, it's one of my favourite matches, and, and it, it, this card just makes you feel good as well. You know, we talked about no heels winning on this one. Of course, Undertaker and Austin are both faced at this moment, so there you go. Um, you know, and having Triple H get that moment here after everything that the DX and the Nation feud has has happened. And it's going to be great to see what happens after this as well in the fallout. It's just a shame about Triple H injury. But like I said, it's a mid-card title. It's the end of the title. What's it mean? Both men give it the absolute all. And it is fantastic. Yes, well, the WWE Network version showed exclusive home video footage of The Rock slowly going back after the match. They showed The Rock walking backstage and people were yelling, where's Taker? Probably because they needed Undertaker to get ready for the main event. Rock did a promo saying the fact is nobody could be the people's champion because that's what The Rock is. The Rock ended it saying, payback is a bitch. Even after a hellacious match where he's given it his all, he can still deliver a fucking promo better than any other fucker in the business. I know. But up next is for all the bananas. In the WWE Championship on the line, the Undertaker versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, what have you thought of the build-up? to this match down on Raw that we've seen recently it's it's a weird old setup, you know it, it's been good the way it's come about our Undertaker and Kane in cahoots well they are you know it started off as an Undertaker Kane feud that's kind of evolved into an Undertaker and Kane versus Austin feud and the Undertaker and Kane are together mm. it's you know it is a weird weird way of coming about it well the thing is you can have two bigger stars in the match at this moment in time. If you were going to have the biggest match that WWE could have, then it is Undertaker versus Austin right now. You could argue WWE might have a couple of other you know, big matches, but this is WWE's biggest. And they're giving to you at SummerSlam. Like I said, the build-up for this with uh, Kane and the Undertaker story, even going back from when Kane debuted and you know what was his real intentions. Did he want to make up with his brother? They've sorted things out now. They've pushed Paul Bearer aside. But the Undertaker, I feel, might be using Kane a little bit to fully focus on the WWE Championship. It's a title he's not had. It's, it's not been that long, you know, WrestleMania 13, the previous year. But I think he wants it again. And I think he feels that he's better and he, has more, he deserves more respect than Stone Cold Steve Austin. Anyway, the Undertaker's music starts and here he comes with the fireworks. Only a short entrance for the dead man, but it looks like it means business tonight. Yeah, there's an interesting backstory to this match that is that head WWE writer at the time, my friend on Twitter, Vince Russo, wanted Undertaker to go into the match as a heel. Vince McMahon said no to that idea. Undertaker ended up turning heel within a few months, but going into it, he was still a face. I think Taker going into this would have helped. I can also see why they didn't do it because this match result is what led to the heel turn. Yeah, both guys were faces. Like I said, this was not their first pay-per-view single match because they had one in Night Night 7, which was a cold day in hell. Uh, this is their first pay-per-view match after also becoming a legit main event guy. Well, the hotly anticipated WWE Championship showdown that had finally arrived and Austin and The Undertaker were raring to deliver a monumental performance worthy of all the hype. Good hype. Austin, in particular, wanted the match to be memorable and then wound up barely remembering a damn thing. While not as bad as this horrific injury, one slamming earlier. <coughs> While not as bad as his horrific injury, one summer slam earlier, Austin ended up being knocked loopy after an early botch, 
charging off the ropes. Austin kicked her, hunched over Undertaker in the gut. In response, Taker stood up straight and he's been right in the chin. According to Austin, he was knocked out for a good two or three seconds and now have now had to clue the groggy champion into the fact he was in Madison Square Garden working the main event of SummerSlam. The rest of the match was foggy and the reigning title holder, who does remember the bump, thought the table at ringside, who does remember the bump through the table at ringside, but little else from the remainder of this contest. Mm. Well, the, the bump that they take off the... Uh the bump off the announcer is one of my favorite. You saw how much I loved it when we did the match. Talk about a pop, right? Austin, the glasses up. SummerSlam, we're in New York City. Listen to this. The Undertaker, stoic as ever, just staring right through the rattlesnake. And JR says, no WF champion has come through Madison Square Garden with that kind of ovation. And he's saying, I'm there, you king, I dare. And that's talking about Hogan, Bruno Sammartino. Bob Backlund, even good old Bret Hart. Austin's ready. But like you said, the cool, hard stare on a dead man. He is laser focused. He doesn't need Kane in his eyes to beat Stone Cold tonight. And Austin getting right in the Undertaker's face. But the Undertaker's stoic. The bell rings. Here we go. Undertaker swinging wildly. Austin ducking it and unleashing a load of rights on his own to Undertaker in the corner. But he gets caught by his throat. Thrown into the corner, and now it's Taker's turn to wail away with some big punches. And there we go. That is classic dead man. And Austin's got to be careful of this. Oh, Hebner, make sure he keeps his distance. But Austin's got so much fire. Managing to fire out the corner. Irish whip and a big clothesline. Oh, take going for the cover, but Austin kicking out. Hey! Oh. Austin got the fingers up at Undertaker. Say, so you really think you're going to get me down with that? Undertaker might have the power, but Austin will not quit. He's the only man, apart from the Undertaker, to beat Kane as well. So he knows how to get a job done against a monster. He's going to work the arm on a dead man. Yeah, I didn't think that was a great idea. Undertaker turns it round, grabs the arm of Austin, and throws him to the mat with it. But Undertaker reversing Austin's attempt again. A roll-up attempt. One, two. Oh. Only a two count. Two. Drop toe hold. And Austin going, Austin going for the arm. And now Austin's got the arm down. And working it with the knee. Now he's got the wrist lock. And maybe Undertaker thought he's going to get a certain style from Austin. And Austin changing it up. You know, like I say, he can do scientific moves if he wants to. But it's usually just uh, blood and thunder with Stone Cold. But maybe he respects the Undertaker. Well, he's got to respect the Undertaker. The Undertaker's been there at this point in time for eight years. W's longest servant as a wrestler. And Undertaker getting to his feet. Oh, there we go. Irish whipping Austin. Undertaker lowered his head. Pull it back up again. Hit Austin. And that's when Austin must have been out. Well, Undertaker managing to get a suplex on Austin. Yeah, after Austin tried to get one on the dead man. A little bit of a... Muck about there, wasn't it, with the Irish whip attempt going wrong. But the Undertaker's probably going to call this match and be like, right, all right, Austin. Take a quick breather. Hit an elbow on you. Oh, Undertaker going for a second, but Austin manages to stand up. But Undertaker just sits up straight away. He's really backing his feet, but Austin does not stop with the offence. Irish rip. Undertaker, uh, Austin ducking, but getting caught. Undertaker hanging him up on a top rope. Well, maybe Austin was trying to lose his press and Undertaker 
Had it scouted. Taken with a cover, but Austin managing to kick out. Oh. <laughs> Austin just sent into the top turnbuckle. So you're hearing a commentator saying things about this. You never know. You know. You know. You never know. Quite. You know if it's believable or not. But you know they're they're unsure. But you know it's after hearing about it, and you know you know the exact what's going on in this match. Yeah. It's like you know it's like fucking hell. Well, the thing I like about Jr. Like in his comic style is it feels like you're finding out at the same time as he is. Where it's not like, oh, he knows exactly his big spots. And I think that was one of his things as well, where he said, like, you know, obviously I'll need to know the finish and, you know, that, but I don't want to know anything else. So if he sees that, he's going to question it. Is it going to be part of the match? Or is it like, you know, you can see Austin's struggling a little bit. But, you know, normally you just put that down to Undertaker's offence. Well, I know that's, that's, <laughs> that's true. But they have slowed it down a bit uh, considerably at the moment. Undertaker throwing Austin into the turnbuckle, sends it down with a clothesline. But Austin grabbing Undertaker's legs, ripping him down and just bouncing his leg off the ring apron. Austin raking the eye of the dead man. Wrapping his leg around a ring post. Well, it's going to be difficult to hit the tombstone or choke slam if you can't use your left leg. You know, there's no doubt about it. The Undertaker doesn't go down easy. <laughs> no. And Austin now targeting the Undertaker, closing down the distance. Vicious right hands. The bionic rattlesnake. He's like a Terminator, isn't he? It's the Undertaker load. Flying over. Taking out Austin. Now that was lovely by Undertaker there. Now just going for a straight up choke. The Undertaker's got the arm of Austin. Around. Oh, I thought he might go for school, but he's not. Middle-aged school. He's still playing games with Austin, but now here he is. And this is classic Undertaker. Vintage Undertaker. But Austin's had it scouted, a lovely arm drag takedown, sending Undertaker halfway across the ring. And now he's stomping a mud hole and targeting that knee. I love the Undertaker and Austin, but I don't think they had the greatest chemistry together. I mean, in, in segments and stuff they did, but... One of one matches, wait a minute! Austin is beating down the Undertaker, and now here comes Kane. I thought Kane wasn't getting involved in this match, huh? I thought Undertaker didn't need him. King said before that Kane's going to be involved. He's making his way to the ring. Undertaker looking at him, though. Go to the back. It's me and him. I don't need you. And Kane's like, what? What do you mean, Undertaker? Well, Kane is easily led because, you know, like I said, Paul Barry, he's not listening to him anymore, but he listens to the Undertaker. And Taker says, bring it on, Austin. Austin coming in with the right hands. Both men trading blows. Kane... Walking backwards as he goes. He's saying, you sure? But no, this is turning to a slobber knocker and Austin again. Grabbing a leg of the Undertaker. And Austin's like, yeah, and stay out. <laughs> Austin back to dead man. And the Phenom's in a little bit of trouble here. He weren't distracted by Kane when he was out here, but now he's gone, he's more distracted <clears throat> by him. Well, Undertaker's on. Oh, Austin on the apron. Gets caught by the Undertaker. He choke slams in from out on the oh. apron, back into the ring. The Undertaker nearly stumbled there, but managed to get the job done. Oh, my God, that might be it. A clean-shaven Austin. I know, that'd be weird, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, Austin's head bounced off the mat like the basketballs do in basketball arenas. Yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> Austin, clothesline the Undertaker on the top. Oh, my gosh. He normally lands with such ease on that on his feet but 
you know, his knees definitely gave out on him that time. Well, that is not good for the Undertaker. And Austin now got the announce table in his sights. And now this is a street fight in New York City. City! I wouldn't go that way. Kane's out there. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, he's only going towards Kane. But Austin's not. He's going to go and give the uh, the audience a little treat. Yeah, look, Tommy, how happy would you be if Austin Undertaker walked by you at this point? I'd get my... Mobile phone? No, no. I'd no. slap phone. El Hebner. That's what I'd do. Don't be t you bastard. I'd say to Austin Undertaker, you the man. And my God, they're fighting through the masses here. The unwashed masses of New York. Goldberg is the man sign. Vid fears Neil Patrick Harris. What? Oh, my God. Austin going for pole driver. Undertaker with a back body drop, though. I think. Yeah, was. Reverse that. He went right into the concrete. Oh, I mean, how hard is that concrete? There's the other fan he's always been seeing. There he is. He got hit oh, then. The t-shirt. Yeah, the, the vest. vest. And the red cap. Red cap. Nothing oh, else distinguishable about him. On the back of his head. And now the back ringside way. And the Untaker's got Austin. Bounces him head first off the ring post. <laughs> even even JR commentary saying, oh, Austin instinctively blocked that on the ring post. It's clever from JR. We try to put the cha- hand up for the chair shot. <laughs> I like that one as well. But Austin now fighting Undertaker. Back in the ring now, these two men. Irish whip. Oh, looking for the stunner. Nearly hit the stunner, but Undertaker rolls outside. Very nice. And now jump. Austin jumps down off the apron. Just caught by the Undertaker. Spying first into that ring post. And the viciousness of the Undertaker... Oh, you copied me, you cunt. 20 years ago. <laughs> you piece of shit. Piece of Bell's palsy shit. Well, the Undertaker just squashed Austin there, but I don't think he's finished with him. Austin's limp body, he's just been kicked around by the dead man at the moment. But he's defiant, still pulling himself up to a, a vertical base. Well, he'll do anything to keep hold of the WF title when he's fighting out of this. Big rights, bouncing off the ropes. Oh, biggest eliminated from the Royal Rumble <laughs> by Undertaker. And the way Austin landed then as well. He just buckled. Oh, that's the damage that the Undertaker's done on him. And now again, Austin into the stairs. Oh, my God. Hit first. He's just stumbling down the stairs. Oh, dear. Uh-oh. Oh, oh Bubba. Well, this is not good. For Stone Cold, oops. <laughs> now you see it, now you don't. Monitor's disappeared. Ta da. The poor Spanish announcers, can't they just be left alone for one pay per view? At least they're getting a bit of warning this time. Yeah, to be fair, Austin is laying atop that's table. Oh, Hugo and Carlos there. No, it's just sort of the fact that the, uh, the commentator's like, yeah, he's doing his best not to disqualify anyone or count anyone out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I've been following him around. The Undertaker is going to the top rope. Austin's still on the announce table. No, Undertaker can't. No! Oh! <laughs> shit. Oh! Oh, Bubba. That is one of my favorite bumps. The Undertaker just dives off the top. Yeah, fuck it. Try a leg drop. Hardies before the Hardies were Hardies, damn it. And if you're wondering why Undertaker can barely walk 20 years later (laughs) and can only wrestle one or two, just have a look at this. Uh, Fair fair enough. 
And White Austin retired early as well. Due to neck injuries. <laughs> I'll have a three twenty five man follow me, please. Again though, the camera angle, the visual that it has. Undertaker across. He overshot it to be fair to him. And well it is the highway to hell. We're in hell and I didn't think hell looked this bad. Well, as JR says, if you can get him in the ring, this son of a gun's gonna be over. Oh, oh careful taker. Throws Austin back in now. I've never seen a dead man take risks, but that's what you do when the grandest prize of the business is on the line. He's managed to roll his body onto Austin, oh. but Austin somehow managing to kick out. Uh-huh. Well, he will not give up. The Undertaker, huge Irish whip to Austin. Thunder ride. Coming to charge in towards him, looking for a splash. Austin sidesteps him, and Undertaker hits nothing but turnbuckle. But in the next corner... Undertaker's hitting Austin, comes charging towards him again, but Austin gets the foot up. Austin is punch drunk, but the Undertaker, I don't think, has got a lot left. Austin's having to hold the top rope to stay in this one. Big right hand by Undertaker. Goes for it, Austin dodges. Yeah! And a move that excites James. Both men taking each other out of a double clothesline. Yeah, but look how dangerous that was. The speed they got up on it. And then when they finally hit each other as well, it was the immovable force hitting the unstoppable object. Or pronounced correctly. I'm excited. It's the Undertaker versus Austin. Austin versus the Undertaker. Oh, having a counting. Both men down. Somehow nipping himself up. Dragging himself to a vertical base. Undertaker's up as well. And now it's a slugfest. Well, Austin's blocking the Undertaker's shots and he's just unloading a barrage of rights of his own. We've seen the more knockout shots in this one than we have in the entire Brawl for All tournament. And now Austin going downstairs, working the body. He worked the body, the head will fall off. Come on, Austin. Ooh. Ooh, a big Ric Flair-like knife-edge chop. Irish whip reversed. Austin ducking a clothesline attempt. Lufez press. Vintage Austin. Pissed on fire. And now Austin now. Dropping the elbow. Austin now. Irish whip. The Undertaker. Undertaker reverses. Austin goes first. Oh. oh. oh I think Did he's, he get any of that stunner? I think he's looking for it. The Undertaker just dropped down. I think it turned more to a jawbreaker. Austin going for the cover. Oh. oh. Undertaker just managed to get his shoulder up a two. Two. And now Austin picks the Undertaker up yet again. Irish whip clothesline missed. With the hands around the throat of Stone Cold. Choke slam to hell. And we know it's after the choke slam. Undertaker signalling for the end. We're going to have a new WWF champion here. Undertaker going for the tombstone. Austin with a backslide, throws Taker into the corner. He comes out, catches Austin's kick attempt. And now Undertaker just powering Austin up. Oh! Cratching him on the top rope. Well, that's it, DQ. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, everyone's like, right, enough's enough and it's time for a change. And now it's the Undertaker's to lose, surely. Don't call me Shirley, but he's going to hit a side Russian leg sweep. Well, we don't see the Undertaker hitting that move that often. And now he sits up. The end is nigh. He looks down at his prey. Go on, Ginge. Well, he's going to become WWE champion again. 
Austin's got internal bleeding. Oh, I don't blame him when you get a man, 325 pounds, jumping off the top rope, through the house table on Austin, and now we're going to see old... I'd rather take that bump than one off the top of a fucking hell in a cell, I'll tell you that for nothing. Well, the Undertaker's up, top rope, oh! He's looking for old school, but Austin managing to get a low blow in. Kick to the midsection, stunner. Stunner! 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 two... Free. Yeah, we go. Austin is still WF Gates' hook or crook. It wasn't the prettiest, but it was effective. Low blow, accidental or not. Stunner. One, two, three. Austin beats the Untaker. What are your thoughts on that, Dan? I thought it was a brilliantly well-worked match. You know, it's it's often hard to follow a match of the calibre that the Rock and Triple H had. But this one, you know, it followed it and it fit in perfectly. You know, the fans were still on their feet, really into this match. I know it's a different kind of fan base nowadays, but, you know, it certainly is great. Undertaker take, snatching the title off of El Hebner. Is he going to belt Austin round the head with it? I wouldn't blame him. The Undertaker's annoyed. He's got the Smoker's Skull belt. And there you go. Hands it to Austin. Austin takes it graciously off the Undertaker, says, yeah, you, I'll be coming back for that, though. Well, <clears throat> a passing of the torch moment, arguably just the fact that they're both... Well, even though Austin retained the toll, he won the Undertaker's respect tonight. You could see that one-on-one, -on -one, Austin got the job done. But the problem is now for Austin, I think next time Lundsaker tries, he will not be alone when it comes to that. And as soon as I say it, Kane, Kane is coming out now. And the brother of destruction looking on Austin and maybe planning to destruct his WF title reign. But I think Sunstone 98 is one of my favourite pay-per-views. Like it's great pay-per-view all time. But I, I think it is fantastic. So now we're going to look back and just talk about the rest of the car quickly and have a quick wrap-up as Austin celebrates here at the Garden. So match one was D-Lo versus Val Venus for the European title. thought it was a great opener, Dan. It was a very good opener, yeah. You know, really well-worked match between these two guys. It's, you know, it is two very, very solid mid-carders. Yeah, Val Venus had enough support of the crowd with his gimmick. That was good. And D'Lo Brown, that kind of cockiness. You know, and the only hill to win. I think it was a great way to start. I gave that three out of five. I gave that a three out of five as well. Yeah. Uh, Kai and Ty versus Yodities was next. Um, again, you know, this, this match wasn't great. It was more of a fun, gimmicky type match than, you know, it was an actual wrestling match. But, you know, on that basis, I gave that a... I'll give that a three out of five as well, yeah. yeah I'll give that a three out of five as well. Like I said, a couple of spots on there, like when Giant Silver was up with the, uh, the four men. I thought that was quite entertaining when they had them there and they threw them off. Kurgan looked quite strong in that and Golga covering the four. Yeah, we kind of shimmed like that. But uh, it was still quite fun. Then we had Double J versus X-Puck, hair versus hair match. Another solid match between two guys, wasn't it? Yeah, again, you know, these two guys there. Uh... They're more solid mid-carders again, you know, X-Pac. Still not quite sure what to make of him. Jeff Jarrett, you know, he's he's an annoying fuck and I'm not too keen on him. But, you know, he's he's solid in ring. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you can't say to Jeff that he doesn't know the basics of Jarrett and everything like that. Um, coming up on the, the the scene that he was in Mid-South, you know. Uh, coming over to WWE, he, he's not a main event star by any chance. We're going to see WWE try now for that. Whereas X-Pac, the crowd were behind him, and it's great to see the Finkel used as well. You know, when you see the Fink, and you're like, yeah, yeah, he was an X-Pac's call at SummerSlam 98. You can't take away from that. It's three out of five for me again. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the uh, the trend and go three out of five. Then we had the mixed tag match, mixed gender, and that was Mark Merriman, Jacqueline versus Sable and Edge. Um, do you know, again, a bit like Kaintai and the Oddities, one of those where it's like, I shouldn't enjoy it, but I've actually enjoyed it. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't a terrible match. And the thing that I think makes it a lot more better is that Edge, he only made his debut a few weeks ago. He was the one that pitched the ending to that match. So, you know, he's he's brand new and he's pitching ideas. And not only is he pitching ideas, but they're getting listened to and used as well. Do you think it's strange that Edge and Rock made their debut at the same SummerSlam? <laughs> if you think, no, not their debut, but you know what I mean, made their SummerSlam debuts at the same show. You probably wouldn't think that over time, would you, you no, know? no. But it's weird how that works. No, I thought it was great. Like I said, to let Edge do that, I think Sable was, well, the crowd was hot for her, obviously. Uh, with Mero's a weird one, you know, sometimes I like him, sometimes I hate him. But again, uh, no, I gave it a three and a half out of five. I said it was fun. Um, Extra I'll, half of fun. I'll, I'm going to stick with the three out of five, you know. I'll, I'll ship it up because Sable's there, but I'm not going to be that guy tonight. No, no, no. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to stay three out of five. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, up next, Ken Shamrock versus Owen Hart, and that was Lions Den. Again, for what it was, it was quite an entertaining match. I, I, I think I was expecting something, you know, along the lines of Brawl Fall slash UFC style as opposed to what it was, you know, that match could have easily to, in a ring, barring a couple of Ken Shamrock moves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, I agree with you. You know, it's, it's basically a glorified cage match. Yeah, but we talked about the setting being quite cool as well, though, didn't we? And uh, I think the ending was right. And anything that's got uh, Dan, the beastie moustache Severin in it, is, is, is good enough for me. Again, three out of five for me. Three out of five. Yeah, well, I'm going to stick with a trend and stay three out of five. Okay. Yeah. Mankind versus the Outlaws. Uh, first, we should say McMahon's promo, uh, you'll be able to hear it on the podcast, is one of my favourite promos of all time. There's a lot of stuff in this pay-per-view that is, you know, one of my favourite bits. Uh, and McMahon, Mankind to come out here, poor fucker, got destroyed by the Outlaws. But again, I go to three out of five because it was still entertaining watching the Outlaws fuck up Mankind. Do you know what I mean? You know, a month after he was completely fucking ruined, he was probably actually glad... For a lighter match. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and again, then it kind of opens up a little door. You know, what was Kane doing there? Why was he in the trash can? Why did he hit Mankind with a sledgehammer? You know, what's going to happen after that? It's like, you know, Kane's got his fingers in a few pies. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. it's working for him. It's the thing you want Mankind to get revenge on uh, Kane uh, and whoever's done him wrong, you know. And Kane coming out like that was impressive. Match 7, Triple H versus The Rock. That was absolutely a fucking great match. You know, it's for being a third ladder match in history in WWE. It was it was really well done, you know, compared to the other two matches. I think, you know, they kind of utilised the ladder more. It, they, they made more of a, a thing around it. I like, you know, the Mark Henry's involvement. You think, oh, the dust in the eye is going to fuck Triple H up. 
The Rock's going to win it, but then, you know, China Evans are playing yeah, field. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, it's like, I think the right man won it as well. And yeah. I'm going to give that a four and a half out of five. Yeah, I gave it a four and a half out of five as well. Uh, not perfect match, but you're not going to get perfect matches during the actual do. This is as close as you get. Like I said, it's just, it was just repeating the same ground that you said. But the story that was told between the two warring factions to have the two leaders go up for a title, and it meant more the championship after the battle between the two. The, the Master Square Guard. The reason why Austin and Untaker maybe didn't reach the heights they did is because this match was before it. If this had been where... Um, I'm not saying with Shamrock Owen is, or switch switch around, put Mankind and Outlaws before this, then maybe you had a bit more positive reaction. But I really think they stole the show. And, you know, two guys arrived in The Rock and Triple H, and it's a match that everybody has to see. You talk about, oh, SummerSlam matches now. 20 years ago, this is definitely one to be on the list. Most definitely, yeah. And then the main event, Untaker versus Austin. We just said it. Uh, for me, it's more about build-up than it was anything else. I mean, with the match itself... It was a pay. Not going to be as good as you think it is, though, unfortunately. Do you know what I mean? When it comes to a character like Austin, a character like Untaker, to deliver it in ring story-wise is a little bit difficult. But I still think it's really strong. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, it it was a really well-worked match. I think, you know, they did the best with what they had there. You know, it was... You had a bit of brawling in the crowd. You had a bit of... You know, you had a, a, a bit of a... A couple of good bumps, you know. It's I think it's it's what you need in a in a good strong match. You know, the, the, even the appearance of Kane and Undertaker saying, "You know, look, I've got this. Go back to the back." Yeah, and yeah, Kane, yeah. like you know, he's he's a bit like, "What the fuck's going on?" You know, I'm here. I'm in your corner. <laughs> yeah, that you well, wanted you, me. You know? You've got me here. <laughs> Why aren't you using me? But you know, it, it's good the way that, and even the ending as well. You know, Undertaker, he's like, "Yeah, you know, you got me." <laughs> yeah, yeah, you hit me in the bollocks. Hit the stunner, you pin me, you know, it's... Yeah, Yeah. no, I'll go at four out of five anyway, because when else can you have the two biggest stars in your company go against each other for the title? And like I said, it's the second time, paper, but nobody remembers that first time round, you know. It's like, they don't do it anymore with a champion that won it at WrestleMania. And, uh, you know, I'd just like to reiterate, you know, the difference in this and WCW. Yeah. If Kane had come out in WCW, <laughs> he would have fucked up the ending of the match. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so it's that's what makes these two come. That's what sets them apart mm-hmm. as well. You know, you're able to have, I wouldn't say a perfectly clean finish, but you know, it was a cleanish finish. Yeah, if you look at all the the thing I like about WWE as well on pay per view compared to the WCW is that is their holy ground. You don't get many fuck arounds on pay-per-view with WWE. They did that fully loaded when they had the draw, but it only set up the ladder match, which meant more in the end. You look at all the kind of finishes that we had throughout the card, apart from the first Hill one, they're all basically clean as well. And to show, you know, I mean, this show did the biggest buy rate in SummerSlam history with 700,000 buys, right? To put this in perspective, that was a 465,000 increase from one year earlier. Right, it was also seventy-five thousand more buys than the previous summer Sam high in nineteen eighty-nine. It's higher than any other Royal Rumble number. Right, the high was in two thousand two. They had six hundred seventy thousand. All Survivor Series, the high was in nineteen ninety-eight. Thousand number will remain the second highest number for a non-WrestleMania event 
Only Invasion, which has 775,000 more uh, buys, had more. Fuck. And that was WWE versus WCW. It wasn't just like Austin Untaker. And did, you know what I mean? This is what everybody wanted to see. You know, and, and people complain, Lesnar Reigns is not the match we wanted at SummerSlam. Well, this, this, therein lies the problem, doesn't it? You know, you've not built up a guy, uh, a champion, Austin, or the way you have Lesnar. You haven't got the payoff when it comes to Roman Reigns as well. When Reigns beats Lesnar, he has a title belt. It won't mean shit. And people are not excited for it, unlike the uh, Untaker versus Austin matchup we saw. And I tell you something, I want to make a little thing now because SummerSlam's coming up now. I would go Rousey Bliss's main event to to sort everything out. You know what I mean? If they're gonna have a universal title change, that's fine. But put Rousey and Bliss in there, and at least you won't have the kind of or even have Isner further down the card and have. What you mean? Put a WWE title match in a main event of a pay per view, Dan? What 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 are you talking? No, I, about? Won't, I won't even say in the main event. I mean, have it further up the card, you know, and have <laughs> have like um, I don't know, Reigns Lesnar in the middle of the card. And then have a couple more matches. Styles, Joe, Bliss Rousey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, like I said, they will never have a WWE title. How dare they have a WWE title in the main event of a pay per view? Oh, no. Even, right? <laughs> yeah. You win the Royal Rumble, right? Which <laughs> it stipulates it earns you the right to fight in the main event at WrestleMania. And yet you're not in the fucking main oh, event. No. Right, anyway, enough of this malarkey. Yeah. I mean, we'll continue all this chat that we got, uh, of course, on our live shows. And, I mean, getting better and better linking between the two, aren't I? Because, yes, this is now the beginning of the huge weekend. You're listening to us. This should be Friday. You're listening to us tomorrow night. We are live for NXT TakeOver. Now, with TakeOver... Um, we're going to start, this, listen to everybody, listen people carefully here. We'll start at 10 o'clock on Saturday night. We're going to do everything an hour earlier this weekend round to get ready. So we'll be live at 10. On, so that means on Sunday night. So Saturday night, sorry, we've got NXT TakeOver. Listen to us on Spreaker. Click the link on our Twitter account or Facebook or wherever you are. Go listen to that. We'll bring you the pre-show for NXT TakeOver. It's one of our favourite shows every time. You know, takeover never fails to deliver, no. and no. that is a problem. If you're not a fan of NXT, why aren't you? For starters, yeah, and you know if, well, yeah, NXT speaks for itself. It's, and the thing is with the pre-show as well is that you you listen to us. We'll introduce you if you've never even heard of the product before. We introduce you to what NXT is all about. We'll explain the latest storylines for you. We have an in-depth analysis of all the cards, so you know exactly what's going on at the Takeover events. And if you, you know, on the less serious side, we also have a lot of games, games as well that we play. And if you're going to be listening to us, if you're, or if you're listening to us on Friday, give James an email or a or a Twitter message or you know or a Facebook or whatever they, whatever you youngsters are using today. And, you know, let them know that you're listening. We'll give you a shout out, you know, just to recognise because we do. It is you that make the WNR podcast a WNR podcast and why we keep doing it and why we are over 170 episodes of our podcast in. Exactly. And like I say, and we're getting more and more into this now as well. And like I say, you listen to us there on that. 
We'll be live, and on Sunday for SummerSlam, we'll have the kickoff show. We'll be doing exactly the same thing, obviously not NXT TakeOver, but we'll have latest news for you as well. We'll have more about Jimmy Anvil Nineheart. We'll have about Renee Young hosting Raw. That happened on Monday. We'll have more of this as well. Injury updates, loads of other stuff. With NXT TakeOver, we're going to find out who actually who done it with Alistair Black. I mean, we're not talked about it yet, but... Yeah, well, we've got, you know, we've got episodes of NXT to recap. Yes, we've got, you know... The Raw and SmackDown before SummerSlam as well, obviously on the Saturday, uh, on the Sunday. So lots to cover. We've we've got a lot to do, and well, we hope you enjoy it. Exactly. And then after that, don't forget the live shows. We don't stop at the live shows. Afterwards, the W One Seven Five will be controversial characters part three. Really? Anybody who's never listened to us before, <laughs> listen to the controversial characters. It will blow your mind, especially with Mr. Randall K. Orton in the news at the moment. Well, you know, jealousy is a bad thing. <laughs> I mean, if Bobby Roode ever done anything of note, I'm sure we'd know about that, but it's fucking boring. And then we'll bring you the May Young Classic Tournament. We are on our live shows. We've already picked it. We'll show you the clip. We will uh, pick our third woman to be in the tournament. And then we will bring you the tournament once it begins, September 5th, I think, on the WWE Network. We'll bring it to you after that as well, plus everything else that we do. And like I say, we will have shout-outs. We'll have live shout-outs Saturday and Sunday. So if you do want to give us a shout-out, don't forget you can follow us on Twitter or message us at WWE Network Review. At Vince McDan, WWE. I'm at J underscore Rollins. We're also across the Google platforms, WWE Network Review on Google+. Send us an email, the WWE Podcast at gmail.com we'll read out your emails when we can we're on Facebook yes Facebook and come and find our page and give us a like with a WW Network Review podcast so you can come and find me and add me as a friend I am Vince McDan subscribe to our YouTube channel WW Network Review podcast we've got funny clips there podcasts go at the same time on YouTube we do other places like SoundCloud on your phone don't forget to subscribe to our music maker diddly on there Spreaker Radio click the link on Twitter on Saturday night Sunday night for our live show Stitcher Radio and iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. But that is it. We are gearing up for the live couple of shows that we got. We'll see you then. But until then, I have been James Rollins, and as always, I was joined by Dan White. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye. Bye. <laughs>